coming up on episode 74 of Pixel Gaiden. A battle of the horizontal modern shooters. Tim questions Cody and Eric's resolve. Josh asks us about our desert island system. Tim talks about his new Evercade versus. A lot of new games for old systems in the news. Do you care about unreleased games? Eric interviews some of our patrons. Eric accidentally says a swear. And we say the word Tate a bunch. Eric, it is 2022. It's yes, official. It is. You know, 2020 was uh, the year of the dumpster fire. That's right. Uh, 2021, um, I guess that kind of continued. The continuation of the dumpster fire. So I'm just so glad those two years are over. Yep, it's gone. It's in the in the rearview mirror. It's in the rearview mirror. I, you know, COVID is a thing of the past as far as I'm concerned. I think so. It's it's a it's wolf, in, wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm walking around. I'm smelling the fresh air. I'm going into stores. You know, it's like a, <laughs> like it never happened. No, it's no, it is cool though because yeah. COVID was a lame, scary name. But at least we're yeah. like, you know what? This third time, let's at least call it something cool. Let's come up with like a, a transformer sounding name. Yeah, exactly. I, I was talking to someone at work the other day, and I was like, they gave it like that crazy evil <laughs> name, Omicron. <laughs> <laughs> I just I can see like some sweet Japanese animation going on. Oh my god! Uh, anyways, if you're looking for retro video game talk or retro inspired video game talk, you are in the right place. My name is Cody Hoffman. I'm Eric Nelson, and we and are we're here to please you. <laughs> and we're what <laughs> was that a Saturday Night Live thing? No, that's we're going yeah. to pump yeah. you up exactly. <laughs> um. But yeah, we're uh, you know self-proclaimed experts on the subject, Eric. Probably probably the two <laughs> best in the world. I'm, I'm exactly if I could say so uh, humbly right now. Um, nonetheless, we have an awesome show coming up today. We are going to go ahead and hear from uh, Tim on Tea Time with Tim. He's going to be talking about the Evercade versus Founder Edition that he received because uh, everything in video games is backwards now, Eric. The UK gets all the cool video game stuff first now. I guess so. I guess that's true. <laughs> it's been like that for a couple of years now, and I think it's getting worse, and I don't like it. And everything is in, in euros or pounds. Right. Why am I always the one having to switch things to dollars? That's un-American. Yeah, it is extremely un-American. <laughs> um, quite literally. And uh, after that, bad boy, I think we are going to be digging into, um, I guess it's Eric's take today as well. Um, oh, the, yes, on this episode, Eric's Take, which is going to be a Patreon, a, an ode to the Patreon supporter, ooh. which is going to be, we're going to talk to people who want to about their crown jewels, whatever that means to them. So it can mean something rare. It can mean something personal, like given to them by someone special. It can mean software, hardware, it doesn't matter. I just want to hear what it is. And uh, so far, I've had three or four people contact me and... Uh, 
I was able to record two of them today. So they're going to show up on this. And I'm also going to do a YouTube companion piece where I'm going to show video because they do show the physical object. So it should be a blast. It should be a lot of fun. Very cool. And by the way, I just want to say, if anyone wants to do this, because I did send out a Patreon message and a message in Discord and one on the website but or okay. on Twitter feed. But if you want to do this, just reach out to me on um, on Patreon through the messaging system, and I will get you a scheduled date to record, and you can tell me what your favorite crown jewel is. You can talk about your uh, special personal crown jewels and what that means to you and show them to exactly. Eric on video. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> sure. We're a family-friendly show. We don't say any bad words, so uh, that's good. Exactly. Um, I, I said crown jewels, not family well, jewels. We're all <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll rush things atop, across the top of the gutter. We won't run it through the gutter. How about that? Right. Exactly. Um, and then, of course, like we do on every first show of the month on the 15th, we're going to be catching up on some news. Eric and I will be talking about some news. Um, and then we have a battle of this. No. Yes. No. Yes. Yes, yes we, do. we do. We're on doing this the battle episode. of the systems this episode, um, which is a battle I came up with because I've been mm-hmm. wanting to play these two games again for a long time, and I wanted Eric and Tim to be able to to to, uh, to join in as well. Unfortunately, Tim was unable to. We'll get to that later. But uh, two really great um, games that are now, I guess they're they're technically retro by most people's definition at this point. But they are. I would think so. Yeah, they were modernized retro classics at the time, and now they're retro retro modernized retro classics. I think <laughs> I think I got that right. And it's a yeah. couple of horizontal shmups. It's going to be Gradius Five. And R Type Final, um, both on PS2. They are both on PS2, which is not uh, doesn't technically fit the Battle of Systems uh, formula that we set up, but we'll call it Battle of the Brands. Well, Irem versus Konami. How about that? That's right. But we make the rules here, so it fits. That's right. And because we're two of the uh, the two, uh, you know, experts on the hobby, we <laughs> get to do that. You have to earn that, Eric. Exactly. Um, next month, or I'm sorry, not next month, next episode, which will be episode 75 that comes out on the 30th of January here. Uh, we will be, uh, covering or catching up as usual. Uh, Cody will be talking That's me. Uh, I'm just talking about the state of retro gaming right now and what it means to me. Um, and then we of course, uh, do our game show where we prove that we are in fact, not the two leading authorities on retro video games. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the thing that disproves what we just said. Um, and then we'll be, uh, catching up with, with Tim. So all, I had a spoiler alert because I, I, uh, interviewed Josh Malone today and he said that he did one of the questions and he was talking to Tim about the game show and it looks like it's going to be a real Bobby Dazzler. Ooh. Yeah. Bobby Dazzler, maybe even a stringy lorry. I don't know. You did, whichever. I'm, I'm down for either one. <laughs> uh, really quick, I want to let you guys know that we are part of the Amigos Retro Gaming Network, uh, which includes lots of great shows. So please check them all out. I'll run through them real quick for you guys here, but uh, The Amigos, Everything Amiga, they have a recent episode out, number 333 on Worms from Team 17. ARG Presents uh, covers all kinds of crazy stuff, and this time they're talking about sequels that are different from the originals, including Blue Max 2001, which I didn't know existed, and Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, which is very different from the original. Sprite Castle, our boy Rob Flack O'Hara, is covering uh, Wizard of War on the Personal Commodore 64. Yeah, love that game. Love it. And I learned about it like two episodes ago. Uh, <laughs> that's episode 71. 
on R. Sinclair, where they talk about the the ZX Spectrum, and uh, I guess just the ZX Spectrum, huh? Uh, covering Frankie Goes to Hollywood, and uh, you can also catch some other shows uh, that come out sparingly, including uh, including 1200XL, the Atari podcast, and the Coco Show on the Tandy Coco Color Computer TRS-80. There's a lot of a lot of acronyms and things in that one. Yeah. Funny thing is I was uh, in the car all day today, and I, I listened to all of these that you just mentioned. I need, to, I need to get back on the road, <laughs> so that way I can get uh, caught up on some of these podcasts. But yeah, uh, Eric, what do we like to do when we start an episode? I like to do some quick questions. Quick questions! This first quick question comes from Tim. So, Tim? <laughs> here's here's tim i won't do i won't insult him with a with a um you gotta do it one of these trying times to, trying to, yeah i, I you, you don't want to hear that but anyway will eric oh and oh man i read this earlier and i was like what will eric do some streaming on twitch will cody finish his vectrex video so here we have tim <laughs> like busting our family jewels <laughs> our crown jewels on the spot exactly yeah, so he's busting us here. So We could have chose not to read it. We probably should have. Well, I'll answer that. Will Eric do some streaming on Twitch? I, I have never done that, and I don't know how to. I'm sure it's not that hard, but uh, I will do YouTube videos. I'm doing a bunch soon, but I, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to do Twitch. Maybe. I don't know. I'll try it out. That's, that's, not, that's not my format, so that's not me, but... Uh, my, my format is, uh, videos. I actually graduated with uh, with a degree in video production and editing, and I do enjoy doing it. And like five months ago, I was finishing up my third video to put on YouTube for a pixel guide in, in which I talk about, uh, modern Vectrix titles. And, um, for like three months following, I said, this will be out this month. And it is (laughs) not out. Um, since I moved, I have not touched it at all, but will I finish it? Yes, I I have an issue not finishing things, and it is uh, about half done. I have all the video and everything ready. I just need to edit it all together, uh, which will honestly take about another four hours. They are they are lengthy processes. Um, yes, I that's love why doing I don't do it. a lot of video. Yeah, they're, they're they're not easy to do. They're very very time consuming. They are, but they are very fun. I love doing it. But yeah, I just got to a point where I just had to cut it off. But I'm I am cozy and in my house for the most part now. So I hope to get to that soon. I don't know if I'm going to try to do a monthly video as I originally started. So we'll see. We'll see. But Tim calling us out. He's, now we got to, I'm going to change mine here coming up. I'm going to try to call him out on something. We should. But he's perfect. He's perfect. So what am I going to do? All right. Now this next one is from, uh, from 48 cam, 48 K Ram, Josh Malone. So now you got to do it in his voice. <laughs> yeah. And I just talked to him. So now I can do it. Hey guys. No, that's not. <laughs> that's yeah. Do macho man. That works. Brother, hey brother, let me tell you something. Here's a quick question: <laughs> Doing this podcast has exposed you <laughs> to a lot of new systems and games for those systems. Due to this experience, has your Desert Island system changed in the past year or two? Doing the podcast, so that's a good question. It's a good question. Um, why don't you go ahead and answer it first? Well, my answer is is no, and that's because I can't get past the fact that I'm a nerd and I have to be very technical about these things, like all yeah. nerds do, kind of like who would win in a fight like Superman or Godzilla and all this kind of nonsense where you have to argue it. Uh, if it's a desert island, then I'm going to pick a system with a ton of games so I have the most to play. 
So PS2. Yeah. It's still PS2. The PS2 does have really good games, too. It does. Um, we don't spend a whole lot of time on there, but there's a ton of good and unique stuff on there. And yeah. I, I would say I like it, too, uh, as a desert island system because it has old classics on there, like, you know, Pac-Man and stuff. It's still at Collections are on there. It's got yep. games that feel modern, but they're not, like, 120-hour keep doing the same thing over and over games they're like mm-hmm. they feel like big open world games but you can beat them in 15 20 hours uh and then it's got a whole bunch of stuff that's kind of in between um so i feel like really retro kind of changed right there to what it is now which is kind of like games have to be these giant epic things where uh, you have to invest a lot of time so that's kind of where my quick fix cutoff is anyways so yeah, the PS2 is an excellent system, and and even though I I would define it squarely as retro, the, like you like you mentioned, the games still hold up. They still are somewhat modern looking and pretty, and the sound is excellent. And they, you wouldn't lose much. You you kind of have two feet in both worlds, retro and modern. Yeah. So I think that's a good, that's a good answer. For me, the answer for Desert Island was always the, my 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 Commodore sixty four, but. That's not the question, you know, do, exposing you to a lot of systems. What would you do? Um, yeah, I could still pick the Commodore 64, but man, I was really surprised. And, and the podcast kind of brought me into this world was the ZX Spectrum. <laughs> um, that is a great library and, and a lot of fun games. Um, but I would, I think I would have to change mine to probably like the Amiga CD32 because I've been having a blast. I pl- yeah. For a while, I was playing that every night and finding new games and playing them and loving every game on there. So, yeah, I think that has. I, I think I'd, it'd, it'd be a toss up between the ZX Spectrum or or that or the 64. So I mean, I mean, I'd have to. That would be a game time decision. I think. Very cool. Yeah, we got one more question here from Bajaco, but before we get to that, Eric, you know what we need to yeah. talk about? I know what we need to talk about. Do you Retro re- are you waffling? RetroRewind.ca. What would you find there, Eric? Retro stuff. Stuff that is retro and for retro systems. Used to be only Commodore, but now he's branching out into Tandy Coco stuff. Um, diagnostic cartridges, uh, EEPROMs, uh, recapping services, um, all sorts of stuff. I mean, you, you really should go on the website and take a look. Um, I, I still need to jump on there and get one of those, uh, Amiga 600 video adapters, RGB to HDMI. Oh yeah. That's a good call. Um, I, I want to do that to my 600, uh, but I need it recap first. So I'm going to send Frank, my Amiga 600, have we, it recap. We honestly have a huge box of stuff we need to send at this point because I want to get the HDMI put in my, uh, my Amiga 1200. I wanted to, uh, pick up a new, uh, Amiga OS 3.2's kickstart ROM, which he's got right here. Yep. I'm looking at it right here, 16 whole dollars. Um, and then he was also willing to, to, to take the CD 32 that, that, uh, Tim sent me and you kind of helped him play with a little bit. Um, but there's a few things not working on there. Like the laser is not working right. And it can't read discs. Yeah. There's also a problem with, uh, only the S video works. The, uh, the composite does not. So he, uh, yeah. he already reached out to me cause he heard the show and said he, he'll, he'll let me send it to him. And for a small fee, he'll fix it up. And you had personal experience with that happening. It ships quickly back to us and, uh, very quick, very quick. And, uh, you can save 10% off when you use, uh, the code, PG10 when you check out. That's PG as in Pixel Gaiden 10 when you check out. Just make sure you go to retrorewind.ca forward slash Pixel Gaiden 
Check out with code PG10 for 10% off all your Amiga, Commodore, and Tandy Coco goodness. Excellent. That was concise. That was concise. Yeah. Thank you, show sponsor. <laughs> Actually, it's, uh, you know, so, what, what is you cool? Do one more? Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do one from Pajaco, but uh, we have to make sure that, uh, and we'll kind of figure that this out. But next episode, I, I think we'll 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 talk about it. Uh, Frank did a, an event over Christmas, uh, yeah. the holidays, where he raised a bunch of money for charity based on uh, not just ours, but uh, some other shows he sponsors. Other shows part of the Amiga Retro Gaming Network as well. And I think 10-minute Amiga... I can't talk, man. 10-minute Amiga <laughs> Retrocast. It's not good when you can't talk and you're doing a podcast. Right. Um, but anyways, he was able to, to sell a bunch of stuff and gave a percentage to a local um, charity, which was really cool. And, uh, you know, he, he gave away some gift cards to the the show that sold the most stuff. We did not, Eric. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll give kudos. I, I think... Uh, uh, 10 minute Amiga retrocast did get those gift cards, but Frank decided yes. to give us and I think some of the other shows a gift card to give away just for the spirit of giving. And because I think he raised over seven hundred and fifty dollars, something like that. For that yeah. was, that's pretty darn good. So that is really good. We'll figure yeah. out how to get get rid of that gift card. Uh, maybe next episode. Let's try to figure that out. Yep, that would be awesome. So what did Pajaco have to say? I'll read this. So Pajaco's. Oh, you want to read it? I'll read this one. Go ahead. Now, where do we know where he's, you know where he's from? You talk to him. Yeah, he is. He's from the UK. You were right on UK? track. Was I? Yeah. Okay, because I was totally going for like a New Zealand accent. No, you got it. Or Australian. Where else can I <laughs> see out the African? Um, is there a canceled or lost game that you hope will resurface one day? Hmm. I'll let you. I'll let you think about that. I can tell you haven't read that one ahead of time. You haven't prepared for this. Yeah, yeah the only thing that comes to mind, uh, I, I got to be honest, I don't dwell on canceled or lost games that much. But I do remember early on learning that there was going to be a version of Snow Bros, which I really liked that game a lot. There was going to be a version for the Commodore 64 way back, and it got canceled, as well as one of my personal favorites, which was Bomberman. Yeah. But since then, there's been a clone of Bomberman that is really good. Um, the, the name escapes me right now, but it's really good. So I, and I even bought the cartridge and it's great. So I don't really need that. Um, uh, but back in the day, I was, I really kind of, I heard about snow bros and it didn't come out and that kind of bummed me out. Gotcha. So that's the only ones I could think of. What about you? Mine? Um, I honestly have no answer. I guess the answer is just straight up. No, I, and I've talked about this before on the show. I never had access to like magazines or knew what was coming out as a kid. Yeah. And then when I was older, I don't know. I just, I've never really paid attention to what was coming out. I, I paid attention to what was out. Ooh, wait, wait, listen to that. Did you hear that? That sounded like an Acura NSX. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was outside <laughs> my window. Cars are driving by like crazy in Oak Grove. I'm playing Gran Turismo back here. Oh, is that what you're doing? Podcast can't hold your attention. So anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, it's not something I ever dwelled on. Uh, now there's a number of games that I wish had sequels. And there's a number of games that did have sequels or, or, or things that did come out that were just disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I for, have a couple of those too. Yeah. As for a game that I heard was going to come out and then I waited for it and then it didn't come out that that just didn't, doesn't fit my personality. So I'll have to say no on that one, but yeah, 
I remember one of my one of my favorite games on the Switch was that Ape Out game. Do you remember that? I mean, I talked about it, raved about it, loved it. And there was rumor there was going to be a sequel, and it, like I can't find any more information on it, so there that's kind of a bummer. There you go, you got one. Yeah. I like it. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project that's at d-u-h-p-r-o-j-e-c-t and you can reach cody at oddball which is at o-d-d-b-a-1149 you can also reach me that's tim at sanxion and that's at s-a-n-x-i-o-n Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we love any feedback. And also, please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show. We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there. Um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide N using our random adjective generator. And this month on Pixel Guide N, we're heading down the old piano bar, grabbing a scotch on the rocks, and simply lounging. The extravagant. Dustin Newell, far-sighted Matthew Ackerman, the hectic Daniel James, preventable Eric Sandgren, red-blooded David Vincent, sanitary ten mark. Systematic Roy Feldin and the thinkable Mr. Toast. These are the ones who make Pixel Guide and Roll. Where we talk about old games and our game shows impossible. Bankable Maciej Sosnowski The fervid Paradroid The high-pitched Ram OK Ram OK The foreseeable And stiller The inventive Mitsuyama The loving Gary Heather the manipulative Brian Arsenal and the 
Seasick Paul Jacobson These are the ones who make Pixel-guided roll With the secure Mark Scott and Jason Holland's irresponsible now introducing our newest members, the instantaneous Retro Gamer Nation and Hallowed Amy West. Pixel Guided. Pixel Guided. Pixel, Pixel Wow. Wow. Those are, I mean, I'm teary eyed. Yeah. I'm teary eyed. Thank you, you know, so much. By all the support. That and just that, yeah. that amazing singer's sultry voice. It's, yeah. This might be uh, my number one moment of 2022. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. And thank you guys for your money. Hey, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have beer. Yeah. That would be nice. Um, so if you're new to the show, Eric and I drink uh, two beers per episode, and we record two episodes back-to-back, so the episode uh, we have at the end of the month on the 30th is a little extra saucy, because at that point we're having our third and fourth beer of the night. Correct. Uh, we also, just like uh, Anheuser-Busch, would like you to uh, drink responsibly. Yes. But let's try a beer we haven't tried yet. And I'll, I'm going to have to be honest with you, Eric. I have already drank my beer. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> oh, you, you don't have this I one remember anymore? it distinctly. It is, it is a distinct beer. So, yes. I, so, what I'm having... Are you going to at least have a, are you gonna at least have a placeholder? I'm going to have a placeholder. I'm going to have this. You don't need to talk about it. But there's, we've had this on the show before. Yes, we have. So, I'm gonna okay. have this, so but, as long as you have a placeholder... Yes. We're drinking together. Don't worry. But um, I, want, I want you to, to try that beer, talk about the beer, and then we'll rate it together because I have my rating and I am a, I'm aware of it. So okay. Eric is pouring a thick, dark beer into a frosty cold mug. Yes. So this. So since you don't have your bottle, I'll, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. This is from Dust Bowl Brewing, which is from Turlock. Um, that's just down the freeway, uh, hour and a half or so. It is, um, but it's also just down the street. Yes, I went to the. They opened up a new tap ha- tap room here in Elk Grove, and it is awesome. Have you? Oh, you've there. already been. That's awesome. I went last weekend with my wife, and we got some nachos, and ordered like just two beers. Um, I, I I had two. She had one. And we tried, they have lots of different beers. So, I mean, they have, right. I don't know how many, if I had to guess over 20 different things on tap. Uh, but this one is the Public Enemy Baltic Porter. Baltic style porter, it won gold in 2017. Um, it is 9%. Oof, Did you know that? That's a spicy Oof. meatball. Yes, it is a spicy meatball. That is meatball. a stringy, um, Lori. It pours very dark with a creamy, thick head. I think you could uh, take the bottle cap and put it upside down on top of that head. It would just float. That's right. That's right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sip this real quick. Sip on that. Sip on that tasty bevy. And it's, of course, Eric drinking from this. I mean, I guess it's a, a beer glass, but it looks super like he's just drinking a, a, 
Diet Pepsi out of a plastic cup. So this is plastic, but it's one that gets frozen in the freezer, so it keeps yeah. your beer nice and cold. Yep. Um, so let me tell you about this. Yeah, I want to hear what you have to say. One thing I don't like about beers with high alcohol content is they taste very alcohol-y, like someone took a shot of whiskey and just dumped it into a beer, and okay. that's that. That's the flavor. Um, this doesn't have that. Okay. This actually tastes very, very smooth. It doesn't have the high alcohol taste to it. It tastes like a very... Almost like a, um, I mean, it is a porter, but almost like a, um, a, a, almost a cross between a porter and a stout. Okay. Uh, but it's very smooth, uh, very, um, I would say it's still kind of got a little, it still kind of kicks you in the mouth, even though it is smooth. It's not astringent and it's not alcohol tasting, but it still kind of kicks you in the mouth with flavor. Correct. <laughs> yes. Kick, no, and that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like between porter and, um, stout, it, it, it does just a lot of, it's just a lot to unpack here. <laughs> I'm going to be pretentious. A, There's a Erica, lot to, you've got a thinking man's beer. Um, exactly. Let's unwind this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, so I, I'm loving it. It's very, very good. Is it, does it very taste, smooth. does it taste, um, like a, a Baltic? <laughs> I, I, I've never tasted a Baltic. <laughs> Is that type of person? Is that what they're called? I, think so. Baltic? I don't. Yeah. I, or is that like a, a Baltic person? Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I apologize to all our Baltic listeners out there if that if that is a if that is what you call people from a re, or, you know that region. I don't know. <laughs> if, if if that offends you that we've never tasted you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I must say, you're quite salty. Quite salty. Exactly. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I'm ready to rate this bad boy. You you provided this once you picked the rating system. Well, yeah, I'll be honest. I don't I don't have the bottle in front of me. So I'm, is there any? Well, yeah. Okay. Nine, it's nine percent alcohol. Let's just go with that. All right. It's a it's a spicy meatball. So yes, there's of, like an old guy. There's a guy with an old timey car on here. Yeah. Out of uh, out of uh, and there we go. Out of out of nine prohibition uh, hot rods. Yes, sneaking, exactly. Sneaking of, bottles in the trunk across state lines. Out of nine of them, right? Yes, out of nine of them. I'm going to give this a. I'm going to give this a, an eight. Eight out of nine. Ooh, you really like it. I do like it. This is my. This is right. This is my jam. This is right jam? in my alley. I, I yep. really liked it as well. I don't know if I can go quite that high. I, I'll do seven point five. But yeah, it's. It was. It was quite good. It's not an everyday beer. It's a every once in a while. If you Correct. want something special to punch you in the mouth. Yes. If you want a Baltic Agreed. to punch you in the mouth. <laughs> Which they will now that we've besmirched them. Besmirched. All right. So. Cool. All right. Uh, we have a Let's couple, talk about games. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, we got to talk about the things we've already talked about, Eric. That sounds more exciting. Uh, such okay. as uh, the things we screwed up and the things people have, <laughs> have said to us about it. Sure. That sounds good to me. So let's talk about 10 marks first. We'll, we'll do Henrik's last. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll take this so, one, or no, you take. Yeah, it. You okay. can take this one. No, you okay? Um, so I don't remember the exact instance. You might remember better than I do, but I know it had to be you because I don't drink Coors Light. So <laughs> he basically said Coors Light in beer comment is errata because oh, Coors Light is beer. Yeah, I, I basically, <laughs> yeah, I, I basically said, said I forget what I was saying, but I was saying yeah, for yeah. my beer I'm just drinking a Coors Light. And he yeah. said yeah, but what beer are you drinking or something to that effect? He's like right, where, where's the and beer? I, I, yeah, and you thought you were to, being snooty, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna side. I'm gonna side squarely on Doug's side on this because I do not drink Coors Light. I 
Uh, it is not good. Now, not Bud good. Light, on the other hand. <laughs> um, I don't. Know. I'm. I, I like all beer. I don't. I. I really am not that. I, if it's gross, that's one thing. But yeah, it's very yep. Coors Light. And Light. It's very light. And on some, when I'm you. outside mowing the lawn, I'll and I want to throw down five beers because they're cold and delicious. I'll do it. And by delicious, yep. I mean cold. <laughs> well, I, I I slum it. I drink like the yeah. like the Mexican beers, like Corona and Pacifico. I I, I drink those from time to time. Um, I, I never could, I never liked the, uh, the domestic ones like Bud, Coors, um, there's one more. What is it? Um, Michelob. Um, um y- I, yeah. Oh, shoot. Now I'm forgetting. Um, uh, Milwaukee. No. Milwaukee. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> old Milwaukee. Old Milwaukee. Hams. They, they, and I'll tell you why they, they almost taste to me like, like just mineral water and I don't like mineral water. So, they, <laughs> so yeah. anyway. Anyways. All right, so another one was on the game show. Frogger was published by Sega. I think that was the the controversy because I got blasted for the game show. Tim would have still lost, so it didn't change the outcome. <laughs> okay. But um, I think I said it was mid, b- b- Bali Midway. Or, is yeah, I'm right? looking it up right now. Frogger? Frogger, yeah, well, gonna, Konami, it, I think it was, wasn't it? Oh, Konami, okay. Because I don't want to um, errata the errata. Here, well, we're gonna, we're gonna get do blasted that. again. We're, we're doing that right now, anyway. So, um, but but what, Tim had said Sega, and I said eh, wrong, and I guess I was disproved in some way or fashion. And then my understanding, uh, my research was faulty. So I'm looking at this one right here, and that, according mm-hmm. to this one, <clears throat> and by this one, it's some random website because I was trying to find one real quick. It actually yeah. does say Konami and Sega. I forgot where I just saw it. Yeah, now, I don't know how. Maybe it was made by Konami and, and produced by Sega in America or vice versa or something. I don't know. Um, I, I imagine Sega just published it, but um, but again, I don't want to errata my my errata, so I, I'll I will accept the punishment for that. Great. So now I'll go to Pixel Guiden. So now Pixel Guiden timeout. Yeah, Ten Mark can go ahead and stop talking about how Galaga uh, <laughs> is a game that I said wasn't amazing. I didn't say it was a bad game. I just said it wasn't amazing. And um, <laughs> so go ahead and put all your hate on Eric now for the next year, please. Exactly. Go ahead. I, I can take it. Frogger was Sega. Was Konami Sega? Uh, is Konami Sega to you, Eric? Are all the Japanese developers the same to you? <laughs> they're not. They're different. <laughs> uh, all right. And we had one more thing. We had a little bit of uh, positive feedback, if I'm not mistaken. So absolutely. We don't with always one of like my, to get ripped on. So we'll go ahead and make sure to, to feel better by reading this out loud. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and uh, so this is from our buddy uh henrik was it heinrich or henrik do we ever, it was henrik henrik right? i believe henrik ladafagad lolful and uh that's lolful lolful i asked i did lolful. ask him if i said his name uh how close i was he's like you actually got it pretty pretty close so lolful. okay lolful. that's right and i remember that now okay so he gave me the, this this long one so i want to take this line item by line item and we can discuss it back and forth because i think he brings up some really good stuff he says, first of all, I would like to thank you all three. Thank you all three for all the hours of enjoyment and entertainment you gave me in 2021. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Your podcast is one of two with the Retro Hour, which is a great podcast, yeah. that I reserve for my runs, which is high praise in my book. High praise. I would like to give you some feedback on the podcast. Please. My favorite segments are news and catching up, followed by quick questions, Eric's take, Cody's Corner, Tea Time with Tim, and the game shows, Battle of the Systems, and Six Good Games. I think he listed that every single thing 
And then um, gonna, was that an order or is that just everything? And then he was going to make us feel bad if we like got a bad one in there. He doesn't like the no, beer. No, he said my favorite segments are all of them, and those are all of our segments. So I'm going to take that as a <laughs> he win. Didn't like the, he didn't say he didn't, liked us talking about beer. That's true. Drink the beer is a segment. Well, hold hold on. We're going to okay, okay. let me continue on because he, he, he does talk about that. But anyway, I think I prefer the segments with the most banter between the three of you, honestly. And I would agree with that. And I, we've had other feedback that agrees with that, that we are at our best when we're just jibber-jabbing. You know it. But so it's also hard to do that because we literally have to stay up till the wee hours of the night to try to get the wee hours of morning of the morning out of Tim. So exactly, exactly. Suggestions for 2022. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. A video tour of Cody's new retro room and maybe of Eric's and Tim's. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> maybe, maybe. How about 10 minutes of Eric's and Tim's and we'll do a full two hour special on Cody's. <laughs> That's I'll put fine. it on VH1 for you guys. Welcome to my crib. This is Cody <laughs> from awesome. this is Cody from Pixel Guide In. Um, yeah, so the, the I I was gonna say no to all this, but I have actually at this point my room is fairly close to being like initially set up now. That's great. I've already got every all the cubes filled out and stuff, so yep. maybe I'll do maybe, that soon. Yeah, but he says maybe encourage patrons to share stuff like that on Patreon. And guess what? Oh. I'm, that's what I'm doing. That's exactly what I'm oh, doing. Oh, more with to the come. Crown Jewel segment. More so, to come. Um, more interviews with patrons, or maybe other interesting people. More to come. Oh wait, so that's coming too. People. Yeah. Uh. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so we're doing that, and I, I have declared this is the year of the Patreon, the Patreon supporter, the year of the patron. All right. And so I am going to try to organize stuff every couple of months, whether it's roundtables, interviews, um, special segments. I'm going to try to get the community involved. I'm trying to build a community here, Cody. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to build a community. Uh, maybe I'll start doing a segment just called like uh, Cody on the Street, where I just yeah. like go down to Auburn, just grab random yeah. people and kids and like talk about video games, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. And just put, yeah. and just put it on here for you guys, you know. Jibber jabber. <laughs> video recordings of your shared video feed while recording the show would really help me appreciate the items you unwrap and present. No high production values needed. If you use Teams, there is a recording option available. I would hate for this to be a hassle for you if you decide to do it. Now, I've been, I'm going to peel the onion, I'm going to, or, or peel the oh. curtains back on the show a little bit. Um, we use Zencaster to record the audio, and they have a new video feature which works really well. But what they don't have in the video feature is screen sharing yet. Once they do that, I think we could do everything in the tools that we use and we could provide a video format. So of at least some segments, I don't, I don't know if I'd want to do all, the whole show because there are editing that we do where oh, yeah. parts of it would be really bad. I mean, when we record, we record for hours. I mean, six, seven, eight hours. So I, I don't know if a continuous video feed would work, but segments for sure. And, and, and we can I have to constantly edit out Eric's potty mouth. Exactly. I'm, I'm dirty. I'm or, a- <laughs> or like last episode when I completely unknowingly used a uh, UK racial slur, which I had literally no idea <laughs> was a yeah. thing. Uh, I am learned. I have learned now. And we just besmirched the Baltics. I so. know. See, every episode we we teeter on the edge of <laughs> exactly. being extremely inappropriate, but family friendly. Um, so here's one. I think Battle of the Systems and Six Good Games could be improved by adding background music or gameplay sound from the game system in question while you discuss it. 
It really adds to the atmosphere, especially for listeners who haven't seen played the game before. Now, my opinion on this is we've gotten feedback over the years that some people really don't like music in the background when people are talking. But I maybe even starting in February, I'm going to start patching in my tablet into the feed so that I can play segments. And I think I'm going to take the games we do for battle and the games we do for six good games and do some clips that we can play in between our banter. Okay. So I think that would be fun. As long as we're not trying to fight over the, we fight over each other, not over the music. Correct. We fight, (laughs) we fight enough over each other, especially recording remote. That's what I hate about recording remote is that we do that more often than when we record in person. So you can't um, just smash your foot on my toe when I'm talking too much to make me shut up. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, maybe a retro magazine review segment. Eh, that's a good idea. Um, I don't really read. I, I I don't really read too many retro uh, gaming magazines, but we could do that. Um, I mean, I, I I've gone back and done that before to the old ones, but I don't know how we would format that in a review. But I think they think we literally that. just turn on the mic and you yeah. just, you just kind of read to yourself yeah. and go, oh, hmm. somebody did that. I remember somebody was like, they, I'm not joking. Somebody huh. would read hmm. um, from a magazine and then talk about what they found in the magazine. Who was that? God, I can't remember. I'm who just was. talking about you reading your own head and we just hear your reaction to the magazine. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Okay. And that's entertaining. You'd see me skip all the like 30 page segments about like some developer. I have no idea. I don't care about the game. Skip, skip, skip. Yep. And then. Um, so maybe a top bruise for gaming list. Top what? I mean, we do. Top brews. Oh, brews. Ooh, like brewskis. Like you know what? If I if I'm playing like a eight bit yeah. action platformer, I'm looking for like something upbeat, like a uh, like a hazy or Hefeweizen. I mean, something with some character, with some right. You know, like pairing. It's, we can. It's like like it's like when you pair white wine with chicken. Like I'm gonna pair this like Budweiser yeah. with the biggest game. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, mark that time. Mark 40, that time. Forty two oh five. You know, we just talked about this. Yeah, I'm Eric. sorry. <laughs> this Baltic Porter, this nine percent's really getting to me. See, no, I shouldn't have said that. No, it pairs well. My with apologies. A, no, it pairs well with a shmup, though. Would be something heavy like a Baltic Porter, maybe something really, uh, really intense, exactly. um, yep. like an arrogant bee. I don't know if you've heard of that beer. I'm not going to say it, Eric. Uh, <laughs> Make sure you, bl- you beat me out. I don't want to be the bad guy. Yeah, forty two oh five, but. Because you're playing right. shmups, which you cannot stop for a beer, and then when you finally beat a boss, you've got that like ten second whiz- window while the score goes down, and yeah. you can take a quick swig of beer, and you want that taste to last for another two minutes till you get to the next break. See, That's right. they do. There's That's pairing. Right. There's pairing there. Exactly. So, and then she says, "Great musicians on insert platform system segment." Like great. Like maybe I think what he's saying here is we may not have enough segments on video game music, which. Yes. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, screw I'm those gonna, guys. Can I be honest with you, Cody? <laughs> Please be Eric. Because we, we did have a segment where we talked about game music, what it means to us. It was a quick question from maybe a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. But, um, what I've heard other podcasts and they talk to the composers. Yeah. Most of them are not video game people. Okay. Yeah. So they're just getting a paycheck to write music for certain scenes or, or a type of game, action game or whatever. <clears throat> They're, they're just not, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but they, most of the time they're not gamers. They're just musicians, which is great, but it's not, I don't know if it makes for very interesting content, but 
I, I, maybe, I kind of fall in, in the same with you. To each their own. I I love video game music, but I don't particularly... I mean, if it doesn't do it for you or myself, then it's not going to mm-hmm. be entertaining radio, so there's no reason to do it, I think. But I, I, I appreciate I do, what he's I, going at. We I love talking about a game when it has great music and sound. Mm-hmm. Like, like, some of the times that transforms the game. It's oh, amazing, yeah. but... But, um, yeah. Anyway, remember, it's your show. It's not a job and shouldn't feel like it. <laughs> oh, well, then, so, then ignore everything we just said. We're going back to the exactly. old way of doing it. So whatever you do with the show, I will support it. That's all from me now. Merry Christmas, all three. I will definitely keep supporting you in 2022. Aww. Henrik from Denmark. Thank you, Henrik. Woeful. Which I'm saying perfectly correct. We really correct. do appreciate feedback. Absolutely. I mean, it really is a driving force. I mean, I love it when we get feedback, negative or otherwise. And then we talk about it for like five minutes on air. So, you know. Yes, yes we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> I take it seriously. I mean, I, oh, I, yeah. I want to improve the show. And I'm, I'm, I want people that, especially Patreon supporters, I want to, I do want to make them happy. So. Last cool. thing I want to say before we jump right into the news is we are doing, and by we, I mean Tim, Twitch streaming. <clears throat> and ARGN YouTube on Thursdays, normally about once a week for uh, for Pixel Guide In. So yeah. Tim is back to doing some regular Twitch, Twitch streaming. He's done some yeah. pretty cool ones uh, recently, including uh, one on the Evercade, which is what his uh, tea time with Tim is going to be at. So let's go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Let's go ahead. Go. <laughs> and hear what Tim has to say, and we'll catch you on the flippity flop for some news. Hey guys. How about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right. It's tea time with Tim. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year to you all. Welcome to the first episode of Tea Time with Tim for 2022. I hope you all had a great holiday season and a good start already to the new year. With that all said, let's get into this month's Tea Time with Tim. This for me is a little departure to my normal service. I tend to stay in my lane and talk about retro systems. However, this month I thought I would talk about one of my recent Christmas gifts, the Evercade Versus from Blaze Entertainment. For those of you that don't know, Blaze came out with the Evercade handheld console in May of 2020, and all the guys on Pixel Guide jumped onto the Evercade bandwagon. However, for me, while I got the system, I found the screen a little too small for my liking these days, and I do not do a lot of portable gaming. So the Evercade Portable is a nice thing to have for me, but I didn't really get much use. But one of the things I do like about the Evercade ethos is the release of physical cartridge games in boxes, and not just one game per cart either. They have made collections of games from the likes of Atari, Namco, Codemasters, Bitmap Brothers, Gelco, Interplay, Intellivision and Pico Interactive. So there is a great range of games that are playable and easily accessible. Just for me personally, not quite in the right platform format to allow for a decent period of play. While I also understand you can plug the Evercade into a TV and get a 720p display, again, this did not appeal to me as you had to use the console itself as the controller, so this restricted play again. So when they announced the Evercade Versus, I thought this would be a good investment, as I had quite a few of their cartridge packs with my original Evercade, so I pre-ordered it earlier this year. When it came close to shipping time, the folks at Evercade announced that it would be delayed for a few weeks. However, it had been a while, and I could not remember if I'd actually ordered one or not. So I checked on the website, and I could not find any order. I found an email for customer support and within about 15 to 20 minutes I had an email back with my order details and a rough shipping date. 
awesome service. I think this would have been mid-October, and they were saying that shipping of the Versus Founder Edition, which is the one that I ordered, would be in late November, maybe early December. Sure enough, I think it was in the first week of December the package arrived. This was going to be a Christmas present from my wife, so it had to be wrapped up and ready for Christmas Day. Sure enough, eventually Christmas Day came round and I received the present. But we were hosting the family this year, so the festivities of the day meant I had to wait for cracking open the Evercade and playing it. It sucks being an adult. If I was a kid, I would have had that thing up and running in moments from tearing the wrapping paper off. So when I opened up the Evercade, uh, the verses is on the top of the uh, on top of the package, so that was the console itself. It's a nice, well-designed console. This being the black founder edition, and the mainstream version is a white colour, I think. This is quite a compact console, at around 8 inches in length, 5 inches deep, and 2 inches high. On the front, you have the Evergate Versus logo, with four USB ports for controllers, and an LED bar on the front that changes colour when you switch it on and power down, etc. That sort of thing. Delving deeper into the Founder Edition box, I found the Intellivision Collection 1, Bitmap Brothers Collection 1, Techno's Arcade Collection 1, Data East Arcade 1, Gelco Arcade 1, and Atari Arcade 1. Also in the pack, you get a few extra bits and pieces. So you get the uh, Evercade handheld link cable. So that enables you to link the Evercade, the original Evercade, and the Evercade Versus together. So you can use the Evercade as a controller. Uh, You get a Founders Edition Certificate of Authenticity. Uh, two Evergade versus exclusive art cards, Evercade exclusive Founder Edition poster, uh, the Evercade versus steelbook and cartridge holder, and the Evercade versus Founders keyring. Yay! A keyring. Well, that's useful. It also said I would get my name on the Evercade versus credits in the actual console itself, but. I can't see it in the list. It took a few minutes to sit and scroll through. If you happen to get one yourself and you do see my name, please let me know. So after all unpacking all this shiny stuff, my rush was to get the console set up. I explored the bottom of the box where all the connection cables were located, along with the two controllers. First off, there's no power supply with the console. The power socket on the back is a micro USB port that is 5 volts and I think up to 3.5 amp. It does come with a micro USB cable, but no PSU. Of course, if you have a number of different devices that come with micro USB cables and power supplies, but not many PSUs like me. Normally, I would power anything like that from a USB port on a device like a TV or computer. However, when I plugged it into my TV USB port or my amp in the living room, I press the power button and nothing from the console. So then I go to my parts box, manage to find a USB style power supply, uh, 5 volt, 1.5 amp, so that's perfect. Plug that in, plug, push the cart in, press the on switch, still nothing. Now, quoting the instruction manual, how to play games on the Evercade. So in section two it says, push the on-off switch to the on position. Now the power switch, when you push it down, makes a click noise, and when you push it back again, it clicks. So you would normally assume that when you hear the clicks on, you press you press it again, and it's off. Wrong! Not with the Evercade. To switch it on, you actually have to press in and hold the power button for a few seconds. Then it switches on. 
However, the reverse is not case to turn, to turn it off. It's a simple quick press. To me, that's the wrong way round. So that was the first issue. The second, and not so much of an issue for me, because I'm a man of many gadgets and that me- and means, and that means that I have lots of cables lying around. But some people buying this would expect for £160 that you would at least get an HDMI cable bu- with it. But nope, no HDMI cable in the box. So there are a couple of other challenges that you face when trying to get this working out of the box. So after many trips up and down the stairs or to my boxes of spares, I finally managed to cobble together everything I need to get the Evercade up and working. So now I've got the Evercade up and working, you'd think that's where the problem ends. Well, no, not really. This isn't a big problem, but this is where my third issue comes into place. Although I got a whole bunch of games with it, I didn't want to dive right into all the sealed stuff that came with the verses, just in case uh, I had some sort of issue. So I grabbed one of my go-to packs on the carts that I got with my original Evercade, and that's the Namco Museum Collection, and I've got one and two. These are apparently locked out of the verses. On looking into uh, why they are, they're only licensed for handheld play. So it looks like it won't be sorted on the fir- on any firmware update anytime soon. Boo! So after yet another disappointment along the way, the first impressions of the Evercade Versus was not such of a good one. Until I started to actually use the console, now I had it all set up with some of the carts that would actually work. So with all the grumbles out of the way, let's talk a little bit about the Evercade Versus itself. On Power Up, it comes with a nice Evercade versus interest screen and dumps you into the user interface and with box shots of all the games that are on the cartridge that you've got selected at the moment. As this has two cartridge slots that can be used at the same time, so doubling your selection of games at once without having to keep swapping carts. You can also swap the carts in any port at any time and it will just refresh the list. The user interface is nice and functional with some music playing in the background. Not only is there a game selection, there are also some options that you can change. You can connect up the verses to the internet via your Wi-Fi to get firmware updates. You can change the display settings with the aspect ratio, shader and scanline settings. The UI theme itself, sound within the UI, the UI language and the system settings. There's also a secret option that takes you into an entry code screen. This brings me on to the hidden Easter eggs in the console. There is a code already known to enter on the uh, secret code screen. This is Senji was here. So it's S-E-I-J-I-W-A-S-H-E-R-E. When you enter this, you get two extra games, Kubo 1 and 2 where you control a cowboy turtle on his quest for mysterious crystals. I had a very quick look at this, and it looks like a very basic NES or MSX style game. The other thing you can do with Easter eggs is when you insert a combination of particular cartridges, you can get bonus games. Like, if you insert Atari Collection 1 and 2 at the same time, you get an Atari 7800 and 2600 game called Dark Chambers. You can also hold down button combos in the main UI and get hidden games. One such is holding down left 2, right 2, plus select, and you get a Master System game called Gotris. So it looks like there is some hidden fun to be had with this console. Thanks to Eric uh, for pointing this one out to me. Um, He uh, said there's this Easter egg section and pointed me to a website which has got all the information. 
So if you do happen to get yourself a Versus, I recommend checking that out. Let's talk about the controllers that come with the Versus. They are eight buttons, four normal A, B, C and D buttons on the face of the pad and four shoulder buttons, left one, left two, right one and right two. There is also a start and select button and one big square button that when in the game takes you to the Versus game menu. More on that in a little. Going back to the controller, they're quite big and blocky in their feel. Not the most ergonomic of designs, quite light as well, so there's no real heft to them. However, they are functional and do the job. There are a number of other controllers that will work, but nothing seems to be 100%. There is a list on the Evercade Info uh, or that's evercade.info website that gives a full rundown of and what you can use so i'd recommend taking a look there as for the games on this system with the exception of the namco farce the games are all playable and just like on the portable system just with the added convenience of being being able to play on a big screen with separate controllers and that really appeals to me within the packed in titles that came with the founder edition there were some gems and also some disappointments a couple of the gems are in the Gelco Collection 1, which is an arcade pack. In here, there are two excellent games, one called Alligator Hunt that was released in 1994, and is a 3D space shooter. This has a thumping rock-based soundtrack, big colourful graphics and fast gameplay. Very impressive. Another one is Biomechanical Toy that was released in 1995. This is a colourful platformer and well worth checking out. The real disappointment for me is the Bitmap Brothers collection. While it has classics like Chaos Engine, Speedball 2 on it, they are the Master System versions and not the Amiga versions. I feel that they really missed a trick with this. I guess maybe emulating the Amiga setup with a single controller might be a challenge. But nevertheless, I was personally disappointed with this pack. So... Overall, what did I think of the Evercade vs. Founder Edition? In my personal opinion, the presentation of the console is a little lacking in terms of the out-of-box experience. However, when you get past that and get it set up and working, you're in for a real treat. This makes so many classics available and easily accessible. Yes, we have one million and ways to play all of these games and more. But for me, the Versus delivers in terms of that quick console hit experience. Something you can just pick up and play. Plus, it delivers on the nostalgia feel. When you think about buying a new console for under £200 with such a great established range of games, that is growing all the time, cheap to collect for, and each cartridge comes in a cool box with an instruction manual detailing every game, controls, and how to play tips. For me, the Versus is a total winner. I would recommend you get it. If you don't already have an Evercade, then 100% yes. If you already have an Evercade and use it regularly as a handheld console and nothing more, I don't think you really need this other than to add to the collection. If, like me, you purchased the Evercade and was a little disappointed with the format and layout of the console, then playing these carts on a big screen with the controllers is a winning experience. Well, that's a wrap for this month's Tea Time with Tim. I hope you enjoyed a quick trip with me looking at the Evercade versus Founder Edition and I'll see you on the next one. Take care. Bye. This month on Eric's Take, I am going to start a new series where I talk with our Patreon supporters about what the crown jewel of their collection is. 
And a crown jewel can mean whatever it means to that person. So it could be a rare piece of hardware. It could be a piece of hardware that was given to you by someone special. It could be a piece of software or some kind of video game memorabilia. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. And so what I am plan on doing is interviewing Patreon supporters and finding out what their crown jewel is. So without further ado, let's start this. And I think it will last possibly a couple of episodes. And I'm very excited about this. I'm, I'm excited to hear everyone's stories. Here we go. So I am here with uh, Pajaco6502, or Paul Jacobson, as he's known in the real world. And we are going to talk about what is his ground, crown jewel of his collection. Uh, it's, a, it's a question I've always been interested in for whenever I speak to people, and I, I definitely want to hear yours. Thank you, first of all, Paul, for being a uh, Patreon subscriber. Uh, it means a lot to us. It tells us that people are interested in the show and that it's, it's worth doing, really. So um, anyway, so let's get right into it. What is the crown jewel of your collection? Okay, so... Hi everyone. Uh, so I had a again. Like I was just chatting before the thing. Like you know, so many things I can choose from, and I was kind of chatting to my wife, and I kind of said, "Well, look, you know, if I had a choice between the, the thing I'm going to talk about or the other thing that will be a runner-up, uh, what would you listen to?" And she said, "Oh, the the thing I'm going to show you." So I think I've possibly shown this in Discord before. So I don't know if you can see this. This is, uh, and there is a story behind it. So this is um, the Kaboom. Atari Absolutely. Uh, and then. I mean, again, I'll try, try and show you. Obviously, I can send pictures if you wish. But there's a photograph there. Uh, and that was um, my high score from when I was about five years old. So let's talk about the thing first, because I think it's really okay. interesting. It is a framed copy. Yeah. And what I see in there is a letter, which I'll let you talk about, a patch, yeah. which I'm yeah. familiar with. I think you've yeah. heard my segment on that. Um, a Kaboom cartridge, the instruction yeah. manual, and a screenshot. So... Yeah, and it's beautifully framed, which I'm. It looks awesome. So let, yeah. yeah, please tell me what what that is about. So I put this all together myself. So long, long it's it's kind of a, a long winded but short winded story. So when I was about five, um, back in the sort of late seventies, early eighties, my family got an Atari twenty six hundred VCS, as it was called back then, and you know cartridge games. Of course, being a, a, a young boy back then, it's like yeah, I love video games. So I got into it, and as you know, Activision did this whole thing about you reach a certain score you can send off and, and get a patch and so i was playing kaboom on the the paddle controller and i met the requisite high score and asked my mum and dad to send the the thing off and that was that you know as i said it's and it was different and, oh has it, has it come through yet oh i don't think it has i don't think it has and i think over the years i kind of come to realize that no they it was either that they didn't send it to the uk or that my parents never sent it off um there's just one of these things that just kept bubbling back into my mind every once in a while i'd think think about it and think you know like from five years old i've got this thing and i never got the patch and i always thought about it and just kind of thought oh yeah just every time i thought about it, it annoyed me a little bit not like badly and then a few years ago i saw one on ebay and it was in the u.s and shipping was horrendous as you can imagine to the uk and i kind of left it there and then just forgot about it and then kind of it popped up again and i forgot about it and then one day um Basically, I think I just I just said, you know what? This is ridiculous. I'm, I'm going to buy the thing. You know, as I said, it's you know, it's no, it's no worse than a, than a night out somewhere with a few drinks with friends. So screw it. I'm going to buy the thing. And I bought the patch and it all turned up in the post. And I was like, yeah, great. Right. Well, what am I going to do with this? So 
Right, well, I'll, I'll, next time I go over to my folks' house, I'll rifle through the box of photographs. And so I rifled through all the photographs and I found a bunch of screenshots. And because they were taken with a, a real camera on a TV screen, they weren't the greatest quality, as you can imagine. You know, you're difficult trying to capture a CRT. So I found the best one and I thought, right, well, I'll frame this. And it's like, well, then I've got to have the letter, which I didn't get in the, the auction. So it's like, well, where can I get this? And thankfully, someone has scanned, I think, all of the letters in. Uh, and put them all up online so what i've done is i printed the letter out um uh in in on a color printer it looks but i have put on the back that it's a replica i haven't you know i don't want anyone sure. finding it in years <laughs> to get, get it paid her. and then so I, I just built this kind of uh this this this, this, this display and kind of it's whilst i know it's not the thing that i would have got as a child it's kind of the thing where i think yeah, had had things gone a different way, maybe this was my patch. This is the one that was going to come to me in the post. So I've kind of sure. retconned my life a little bit. And it's like, it yeah, yeah I, I got the patch. But I'm never going to lie. I'm always going to tell people the truth. And funnily enough, I mean, I'll send you a picture. I mean, in the bottom corner here, yeah, like a, a Atari badge, which came in a set of um, like pin badges for, for asteroids. They was like, you get these little arcade machine things with a bunch of pin badges in um, actually i've yeah. got a set behind me actually i've got the asteroids oh yeah i've got i got lucky on an ebay auction someone was selling off a load of them dirt shit on it these are super dusty because they're back here but it's this kind of yeah pin yeah. badge set so i got that I, I got another set up there and i just took the atari badge um from that and put it in there because it, it nicely framed everything um and so yeah i just bunged it in the frame and bunged it up on the wall and it's it sits in my house. When I come down the stairs, there's a kind of big wall. Um, and you see it every time you come down the stairs. So I always, you know, I always look at it and think, yeah, and then just walk past it every day. But it's kind too, of like, yeah. Too, yeah. too bad they didn't ship the original one. They never made it to you, huh? Oh, I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, I've never, I, it was, I mean, I, I'm in my late 40s now. And, I, you know, so it's, it's going to have been 40-odd years ago. Uh, sadly, my father's not with us anymore. And I think when I've asked my mum about it, she's like, oh, I, I can't remember what happened. So I don't know what the true story was. Maybe they did send off for it. And just back then in, in the, you know, I guess yeah. the early 80s, this thing it never made it. I don't know what the story was, but it was just, yeah, yep, that's just going to put a line under that. That's the thing I've done. So, yeah, as I said, it's just it's just kind of cool. You know, it's, it's a it's a silly story, but. It's no, cool. I, it's, yeah. I, I still remember when I got, because I, I don't know if you remember on the show when I've discussed oh, this sure. a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, I got a uh, the patch for River Raid, and it was on yeah. the Atari 5200, and I took a Polaroid of it, which I sent to them. You don't have a copy of it, so I just sent that away, and I'm sure I got the letter. I don't remember that part, but it, it was so important to me, which it is to you as well. Yeah. I still remember getting the score and being excited and having my Polaroid sitting next to me, the big black Polaroid <laughs> camera, took a picture, sent it in. And when I got the, and I did get the patch. And when I did, yeah, I went right, my mom sewed it right onto a hat of mine. And I kept that blue hat for many, many, many years in, in well into my late teens. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't wear it, but I had it. And yeah. then I'm, I moved so many times. It's lost. Like it's gone. I'm, I'm, it, there's no chance it's anywhere. Well, I, and I always, but I, I think about it a lot. So yeah. it yeah. doesn't surprise me that you kept it in that frame. So I think that's a fantastic crown jewel. That's, yep. I, I was hoping that people would talk more about what their importance 
the importance of it to them versus like, well, here's my rare doodad, my rare yeah. like channel F or my, you know, Atari, <laughs> yeah. cause that, that's cool. And, and, and that's important, but I wanted to hear like the story. So that, that's great. That's an awesome story. So like we were talking about before the show, like this is like Sophie's choice. And so I wanted to yeah. give you the opportunity to discuss some runner ups. So what are some runner ups that you have? Okay, so I'm going to dip it. I mean, there's a camera. I won't move the camera because it will make people motion sick. Because I've got my, I, this is my kind of office come spare room. I've all that stuff behind me is my son's diecast collection, but all my kind of stuff's piled into a thing here. Yeah. So this one also has a story. Again, I'm not an Atari nut. I just happen to have a lot of Atari stuff. So this is uh, an Atari Ashtray. Yeah. Uh, that pretty ordinary i mean it's solid glass thing but i i again these things all have stories which is why they're kind of cool um and this one uh, i'll keep it here I mean, you could beat someone to death with this it's yeah. solid but um this one i used to work for a company in the uk a cell phone company called vodafone um mm-hmm. they were pretty them, yeah. big and i was their uh, embedded games manager so when you when you got a, a phone fun enough got another one in front of me like these nokia n95s this kind of stuff you would get um like demos of games on so you'd like the first level the first 60 seconds of pac-man or whatever and you'd play it and then you'd buy the game it was my job to, to qa manage all of that with all of the developers and the phone manufacturers and kind of bits and pieces anyway long story short i used to work with a, a guy that worked at namco uh the, the mobile side of namco i know it's known very well um, and yeah, when I when I left Vodafone, he gave me a, a couple of uh, leaving gifts, of which this was uh, one of the things he gave me. Now he was uh, proper old school gaming. He'd been in the, the business since the early days of Namco Arcade, and he, he knows Nolan Bushnell and all of these kind of things. So it's kind of cool. And the story he told me about this is this is a this is an ashtray from the Sunnyvale offices in California. Oh, nice. Um, which is really cool. And I've never, I've seen a couple on websites. So I, you know, I don't know if it's worth anything, whether it's worthless, but the thing I really like about this is the thought that if it really did come from Sunnyvale, it's like, I just like the thought knowing what Atari was or what it was like back in the early days. If you listen to the story, yeah. I just kind of, I like to imagine that the, the sort of programmers and developers who are stubbing out their joints and things and, right. and partying right. with this kind of stuff. I, again, I have no clue whether that's absolutely true or not. But again, it's a piece of history that it sat in an office somewhere. I mean, it may have just been a, a freebie they gave away at shows. I don't know. But the fact I know, you know, the guy that um, gave it to me, as I said, he would have told me the story that, you know, he, where he would have been given it. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely cool. So it's just this lovely, solid yeah. Glass ashtray with an Atari logo in it, and um, yeah, just again st- the story behind it. I don't know, you know. So yeah, the funny thing is, Sunnyvale is probably an hour and a half drive, mm. hour fifteen minute drive from where I am right here, yeah. right yeah. right now. And I've been there a couple of times, and yeah, I mean, there's nothing to see there in, anymore. No. But it's a, uh, it's a, it's got a lot of interesting history to it for sure. It is, it, it is cool. Uh, so one thing I wanted to go back, and I should have probably asked you this in the beginning if I was a better yes. interviewer, I would have. But I should we should say to the listeners what that what the patch was all about. Atari had a campaign where you would get a game, and they were they were select games. I, I, I don't remember how many there were, but you would you, you know back then this was late seventies, early eighties. I, I know mine was in the early eighties when I got mine. Yeah. Um, if you got achieved a specific high score, which they outlined, I think in the instructions or a little card insert in the game, you would send a picture of the screen with the high score to Atari in Sunnyvale and they would issue you a patch and the letter like you, you described 
and, and congratulations. And these things are, I know there's replicas out there right now, but, yeah. um, but, but the, the originals are getting rarer and rarer and harder to find. And I yeah. remember, I, like you, I went out, I remember on eBay looking for the River Raid one, and they, there were a couple of on there. I don't know if they were the replicas or they were the real deal, but um, I looked on there, and, yeah, the real ones supposedly go for a pretty penny. Yeah, I mean, I paid. I, well, I'm not shy about it. I think I paid. I've had this for about five or six years now, and I think I paid £40 plus postage to get it over from there. And that came with the cartridge as well. So this is a, a an NTSC Atari cartridge. So I yeah. couldn't play yeah. it in a, a – well, actually, I could. The colours would be messed up. But, yeah, I think it was – actually, it was, it was Activision, not Atari, that ran the campaign. Yeah. And for this particular thing, it was like, yeah, score at least 3,000 points against against the Mad Bomber. Yeah, you're right. I stand corrected. You are absolutely right. It was Activision because it was River Raid. I got mine for River Raid, which is Activision as well. Yeah. No, it was only because I was just literally reading the letter and you've got the, the big yeah. Activision logo right at the top there. But again, that letter's a thing. I know, I know there are lots and I'm – again, I go by, by eBay feedback. The person I bought it from had you know a lot of positive feedback, so I'm going to assume it's a real patch. Um, yeah. And I don't think – I mean, I don't know how popular Kaboom was. I mean, a few people know about it, but it's not one when you talk to – the, the sort of muggles <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. don't do they, they they won't remember that they'll remember the asteroids and the pac-man and the you know all those kind of pieces so. and i remember the the only games i remember that had the patch deal was uh kaboom yeah. uh hitfall yep. river raid and i can't that's the only three that come to mind right now but i know there's more all, i think it was all the activision line yeah yeah, no, there are tons. I mean, I looked it up because I, I have a tendency to, to sort of go down a rabbit hole when I'm looking into things. And you're like, oh, and they've got this one. And, you know, that's how I end up with so much stuff that I haven't got space for. Because oh, I'll get another patch and I'll get another patch. It's like, no, I'll buy this one patch and, you know, it's the, it, it, it's done. But, yeah, yeah they, they, they've done loads. And I think, funny enough, oh, it's, it's buried away. I'll happily send photographs in Discord separately. But, um David Crane, and I, I can't remember, is it Larry Kaplan, the other guy? They formed a new company recently. They um, did, yeah. Last year, and they did a game. Um, I bought their first game, obviously. Uh, and I, because I got in, I was waiting for it the, because they had a countdown. Like, you know, now you can buy it. Yep. And because I got in early, they actually did send a patch with it. But it's it's buried all <laughs> so much rubbish over here. Um, yeah, they sent me the Atari 2600 game and the patch. So it's it's somewhere. I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys a picture of it in Discord at some point. Sure, and that game looked amazing. We talked about it a little bit on the show. It was like the cl- like a train or with clowns or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, yeah I was going to say I haven't played it. That's the weird thing. I don't currently have an Atari twenty six hundred. Um, I've had one and I modded it and sold it to somebody because I've got the Mister and all the other things that can play it. Um, right. But yeah, just it's just sat, sat under there sealed at the moment. Not because I'm one of these. Oh, I'm going to keep it sealed and sell it. It's just because I haven't had an opportunity to open it and play it yet. So right. Yeah. Cool. Well, Pajako, thank you for uh, coming on and telling us about the crown jewels of your collection. I really appreciate it. And um, I, like I said, I think and we'll be discussing this in January episode. This is going to, for me at least, this is going to be the year of the Patreon supporter. So I'm going to try to try to do a lot more uh, Patreon participation, whether it's I'd love to do a roundtable discussion where we have a bunch of people, but that might be a YouTube only thing. But I'm I'm still throwing around ideas in my head. So, yep. but you're you're the very first one though. You have the honor of being the very first one awesome. for this year. Cool. So, I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. No, thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Our second Patreon subscriber will be Josh Malone, known as 48K Ram on Discord and Twitter. 
And here he will tell us about his crown jewel of his collection. So here I am with Josh Malone. Uh, he goes by 48K Ram on Twitter. We're going to talk to him today about the crown jewel of his collection. And so without further ado, I will let him introduce himself. Well, I guess I just introduced you, so I don't need to do that. That's uh, right. But I, let's go right into what your main crown jewel is. What is my main crown jewel? Yeah. I hate to do this to you, Eric, but I really had a hard time with this one. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I looked at my collection and I'm like, you're basically asking me to pick a crown jewel yeah. out of a case full of pawn shop wedding rings. Right. Like it's right? like it's like Sophie's choice here. <laughs> well, no, and it's my- just like I I feel like I have nothing in my collection that what? is worthy of the name Crown Jewel, right? Right. But it could mean something else to you, maybe something personal or something that And that's exactly where I went with this. You okay. know, b- before I traded it to your co-host Tim, mm-hmm. I would have said, "Oh, no question, it's my Mega 3000 because yeah. everybody loves that and, that's a and it's an amazing, you know, they go for incredible amounts of money and everyone always wants them. And I didn't like it. I would not call that a crown jewel in my collection, so I moved wow. it on. Okay. But, you know, I, I, I have a few things that are like a little bit odd mm-hmm. or uh, a couple that, you know, did something particular and that makes it a little bit special. But ultimately, it, it always comes down to on my collection is it's my childhood Atari 400. Wow. So that's the one you had as a kid. This is the one that I had as a kid. This is the first computer I believe I ever used. Wow. It's certainly the first computer I ever programmed on. Um, it's a, it was my games machine. It was my word processor as a kid. Yeah. Um, I and and just, so for, just, for people that don't know, the Atari 400, the membrane one, it's built like a tank. I mean, it's huge, beige. It's got the cool 70s style browns and yellows, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It is, it, is, it is totally a product of the 70s. You can tell this thing was made in the 70s. Yep. And just, I mean, every time I get this thing out of the closet, I just mm. remember so much about it. And, and I love this machine. And no one in their right mind would ever call an Atari 400 a crown jewel, right? But, well, I don't, but the yeah, fact I is, mean, it's beautiful. I, I would. I think I, I think I would. I mean, man, my first computer, the VIC-20, like if I had that original one, that would be my crown jewel, but I don't have it anymore. But Yeah, and, yeah. and, and that's what this is. This, this is the machine that uh, my dad modified it as a kid to have 48K RAM. Wow. Um, he... If you know anything about the Atari 400, you know this port right here is not standard either. Right. What is that? I mean, I'm looking that at that connects to this puppy right here. Oh, another a real mechanical keyboard. A real keyboard. So he got an 800 keyboard, put it in this box, ribbon connected it in in parallel with the 400 membrane keyboard. So we had a real thing. I mentioned this was my word processor as a kid and this is why. That's why. Because without this keyboard, no, no one in their right mind would word process on an Atari 400. Right. <laughs> that is awesome. Is that now? Is that why your handle's 48k RAM? It is indeed. That this my yeah. handle is in reference to this wonderful machine right here. That's what I figured. That's amazing. See, I, that 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 to me is your easily your crown jewel. It it, it always is. And now, what's the writing on top? I can't quite make that out. The, is this writing on top. In in 2019, yeah. I took this to uh, VCF East okay. yeah. and had it signed by one of the creators, Joe DeCure. Wow. 
That is really, really cool. It looks great too. That 400's in good shape. It is in good shape. I've, I've composite video modded it. Yep. You can see the port on the back there. Um, <coughs> it's yeah, it, it is, it, it cleaned up really well. Um, it was in, you know, my dad's closet for 20, 30 years. Yeah. And then I pulled it out and this was, you know, one of the machines I had when I started getting back into retro about, you know, 2014, 2015. Yeah. So that is really, really cool. I think that's an awesome crown jewel. <laughs> and so you take those to show, do you take that to shows and stuff? Um, I, so before you, the when, pandemic, when we could do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, before the pandemic, I actually, with some help from a couple of other coworkers, we threw a retro gaming night, uh, yeah. semi-annually at work. And I brought tons of machines, including this one. Absolutely. Because as you said, you know, it's, it's indestructible. No, no kid's going to really do anything to this machine. No. And, and it was so much fun to, to have people play games who had never experienced this and, and play it on this real machine. Wow. That is awesome. No, that is a great one. Now, is that one you you use or do you use some other uh, 8-bit Atari more than that? And that one kind of sits in uh, more of a museum piece? Yeah, it does kind of sit in the closet. Um, my my main daily driver Atari is my 800XL. Same here. And uh, that one has, as we say on the podcast, been modded up the wazoo. Yes, indeed. Same, same uh, as it's mine. Got, <laughs> it's got an uh, Ultimate One Meg. It's got Stereo Pokey, back when you could buy Pokies. Yeah. Uh, it's got uh, UAV video mod. Um, and then, I, of course, I have the FujiNet and the Ultimate Cartridge for it. So it's it's a pretty hefty uh, 8-bit battle station. Yeah. And that's the and that's, same, same with mine. Same with mine. It was a, that's my, the one my, I stream from. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mine was a $10 Goodwill shop. Goodwill find many, many years ago and the keyboard didn't work. And I had to do the little eraser on the membrane thing. And it suddenly came back to life. And then I did the same thing. One meg upgrade. I don't have the stereo pokey, but I did the one meg upgrade. Um, I did the video uh, upgrade and now that's the one I use whenever I do 8-bit. So that's awesome. Yeah. The the Atari 800XL is – it absolutely should be your first Atari. Yeah. Yeah. And I have it, the FujiNet too, which is amazing as well. It, it really is. I have – well, since you mentioned – Yeah. I also have these two guys right here. Yeah. And I've got the one, the candy bar one. Was that what they yeah, called it? Snickers bar or something? <laughs> this was, this was the Mars bar. Mars bar. There we go. And this was the ice cream sandwich. The, That's these right. are, these are early <laughs> prototypes of the FujiNet, which you know, cause you were in on I the FujiNet development as well. Yeah. And, and that one, I still, still works. The, the Mars bar one. I don't have the other one. I don't have the ice cream bar one. I have the one that sits uh, straight up and down the final prototype. Yeah, um, cool. And uh, they're they're awesome. I, and it, I I do like that he is working on uh, the Coleco Atom one as well as an Apple II one, right? Uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Peetmeyer, one of the yeah. other programmers, has got it bootstrapped. We have first light on the Apple II. Oh, that's awesome! Because I, I I will definitely get that for Apple II. I don't have a Coleco Atom, so <laughs> I don't have to yeah. for it. <laughs> he keeps trying to get me to buy an Atom so I can do testing and, and development. But I'm like, why would I want an Atom? Yeah. I think, isn't that the one where the printer is also the power supply? So you kind of have to have the printer. Yeah, but there's, there's a replacement. Um, okay. There's a little way uh, to rig that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Bill Lang, if you know him on Twitter, he's built a whole bunch of these out of a Meanwhile power supply and it's a complete okay. replacement for the original Atom power, power supply. Awesome. That's a, that's good to know. That might actually get me in the game if I can find one someday. Cause I, I won't, I won't do the printer thing. That's, that's kind of silly. Yeah. No. <laughs> 
All right, so let's do talk about some runner-ups. So, I mean, I mentioned the Amiga 3000, but, yeah. you know, that's not in my collection anymore, and it's gone to a much better place. It's it's living its best life over in the UK. Oh, yeah. And, t- yeah, Tim's got it, right? Yeah, Tim has it. Okay, good, good. And uh, he actually showed a, a video recently on, on the channel with the uh, new SCSI adapter, the, the raw SCSI he has yeah. connected yep. to it. It's great. I mean, I think we're going to yes. be talking about that in January. I think because tonight we're recording January episodes. I think we're going to be talking a lot about that. Nice. I think I don't know what he has in store, but I hope so. So, I mean, my other runner-ups. You and I are both, you know, big uh, Tandy portable collectors. A- absolutely, Love the one hundred, the one hundred two, the two hundred. Yep. And I have I have taken that to its illogical conclusion and tried to collect all of its uh, cousins <laughs> yeah. out there. So I have an NEC eighty two hundred one. I have the w- Tandy WP2. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have the a couple of the the Epsons, although they're not really related. They're also I love the slab tops. Yep. And and this year, last year, I was finally able to get my hands on an Olivetti version. Yes. And so, so this, this is one the is Olivetti M10. M- M10. Maybe that's what I was confusing that thing when we were talking about on the pre before we did this. Maybe I got that confused in my mind, but that's beautiful. So it's it's definitely it's hard to tell on the video. It's more of a dark color, right? Is that black or dark brown? No, it's it's a very dark gray. It's that's a very thought, sophisticated yeah. Italian dark gray, <laughs> right? So every yes. every OEM that that produced one of the Tandy Kyocera portables, they all put their spin on it, right? You know, yeah. Radio Shack has the utilitarian, you know, Radio Shack version. And NEC has the the big hefty Japanese version, and you know Olivetti, of course, has to make it the Italian sports car, right? And, and it does so look the, slick. The, oh the yeah, look at that! LCD pivots Tilt. up like that for you. the The keyboard is this this gorgeous lines gray, and just yeah. listen to that. Isn't yeah. that good? That is beautiful. Is yeah. that compatible? That's not compatible with the Tandy. And peripherals, though, like the uh, the name escapes me now. The uh, what is that memory upgrade? The Rex. The Rex. There, there is a Rex for There's the M10. For it. Okay, okay. But it's it's different because the internal ROM pinout is slightly different. Gotcha. Uh, other than that, the PC board is actually almost identical to the to the Model 100 PC board. Oh wow! Oh wow! Um, and for people who don't know, the Rex is a memory upgrade as well as a way to save almost like a almost like a solid state hard drive that will sit there with the Rex and save. You can save your dogs. I. I don't know if you heard early on our shows. I used my M102, um, or my my I'm sorry, my Tandy 102 to take my show notes almost every episode, and I'd bring it in and I'd scroll through it and I'd use it. And uh, I have since uh, I still use this. I use the Alpha Smart Neo just because the battery life's incredible on it, and I don't have that's to worry right. about it. But it's a little slab top kind of uh, word processor, and that's all it does. Yeah, I remember that. Um... Yeah, I, I remember you used the the one hundred two and even your two hundred for a I while. I did, I did, short yeah. Notes. yeah, and it worked great, and I loved it. Um, I just decided to use that. It's a little more portable. Battery life is way better. So, well, existent. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of surprising given the battery life on a Tandy, but all right. Yeah, it, it actually is. I I think I put these batteries in a year ago. Oh wow! And uh, okay. and and it's still because it has has a very low low powered screen. Yeah. Um. It, I it, it it's it's amazing. But anyway, uh. So got do I have any one more runner up, or was that it? I mean, 
if 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 you said you can only take three machines from your collection with you and the rest have to go in the bin, right? Sure, sure. It would be the Atari four hundred. Yep. Um, and then the second one, without question, would be my Amiga twelve hundred, which I also that was the one I got from Tim. Oh, oh yes, that's right. Awesome. That's definitely my favorite Amiga. Yeah, and then you know I would I would take something else similar, you know, some, some boring machine, like a, probably a Commodore or something, you know, I don't know if I would take this Olivetti, but I wouldn't, oh. you know, again, the Commodore is not, not really a, a crown jewel material, but I would say the Amiga 1200 because yeah. a, where I got it from yep, and, and B it's, it's just an amazing machine. Yeah. I I've, I've modded mine up the wazoo and it is my daily driver Amiga. Cause it does it. I, I haven't thrown any game at it. It won't play. Um, it'll play all the modern stuff. It works great. I have an accelerator in it and they're so easily to easy to upgrade. And a lot of the upgrades are pretty inexpensive, relatively inexpensive compared to the accelerators of the old days, which amazed me in their price. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've, uh, when, when Tim put this together for me, mm-hmm. he put an ACA 1221 LC in it. Mm-hmm. So I've got basically twice as fast on the CPU, but is that no thirty? That's no thirty, right? No, that's an O twenty. O twenty, okay, but it's I think, it's just a. I think the new O twenties though are just as fast as my old O thirty. I have a twelve ACA twelve thirty two. It's an O thirty, but I think those twenties are actually they get more performance out of them. I think because I was reading something about that. But anyway, if it runs WHD load and runs all the games, that's yeah. what's funny is people are clamoring for all these higher end accelerators. And I'm, I'm just like, all I want to do is play the old games. Well, you see, I love the demo scene, right? Yeah, and I want to sure. run demos on machines. Yeah. And that's why I put the Ultima 1 Meg in my Atari. Yeah. That's why I built the Pi 5041 for my C64 because I want to run demos. Yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, 20, 28 megahertz 020 on an Amiga 1200 does not a fantastic demo machine make. Okay. But it'll run a lot of stuff and it's fine. I don't I don't need to be throwing down 3 and 400 and 500 dollars for these new fancy accelerators just to run a few more demos. I have a mister. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In fact, I, right here under my desk is my good old my good old Amiga. There and what one of the cool uh, mods I did was I put the S- SF card slot in the back so I could swap it out. Ah, see, there's like a, it's, it's that's nice see it in there. Yeah, but this is the original one I bought probably ten years ago. Uh, I never had an Amiga as a kid, so I bought this about ten years ago and have been piecing it all together. Got it recapped and everything, and it's going well. Awesome. Well, those are great picks. I think those are awesome picks. Um, I would love to have that uh, that that with that Olivetta that you have. Is that the right way to pronounce it, Olivetta? Uh, Olivetti. Olivetti. That's right. Did you find that just on eBay or did you find a private guy that was trading for it or something? No, this was actually an eBay sale. Um, okay. It is it is non-functional and it has a couple of problems that I think I can eventually fix. Awesome. And wow. even with that, I paid too much for it. Yeah. And I'm not going to ask you. I never ask how much people pay. <laughs> I, I'm fine talking with how much I pay about machines because people need to know, you know what you're getting into when you start yeah. collecting these old systems. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So you think it's just a matter of getting in there and troubleshooting something on the motherboard? Is it, you got the batteries out, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I did get the battery out. Good. Yeah. Um, it, it has, it has all the usual problems that you have with the Tandy 100, which is the power supply section and all the capacitors. Right. And And I've never done mine yet. So knock on wood. Now that you say that. 100 or a 102? 
None of mine. I've I've done I've done done not done the capacitors on any of them. But do you have a 100 or a 102? 102. I have both, but I don't use the 100 very much. I use the 102. Okay, yeah. Your 100 needs it. Your 102 probably doesn't. Okay. <laughs> that's good to know. That is good to know. Yeah. That's, that's, the, the Tandy 100 is kind of one of my specialties. So Yeah. I, and I love mine. Right on. All right, Josh. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'm hoping that I am making this the year of the Patreon. So I'm trying to... I'm going to try to schedule roundtables, interviews, discussions, and building the community better. I've been doing a poor job of that, uh, I think, in the last three years of the podcast. So this is the year. I'm trying to do it. So thank you for for coming on and participating, and I'm hoping to see you in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Always good to talk to you. Awesome. Thanks a lot. And that is it for this month's Eric's Take, uh, Patreon Crown Jewel Edition. I am still going to keep doing this segment for as long as people want to talk about their Crown Jewels, so I'll be reaching out to our Patreon subscribers to see if anyone else wants to give it a go. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next month. All right, Eric, we are back here in real time in the studio. All that content. Whew. All that content. Uh, thank you, Tim, and thank you, Past Eric. Thank you. Um, and in that particular one, uh, who did you interview there, Eric? Because we in the studio here, we didn't hear it. We just kind of added it to the uh, mix. Uh, two awesome Patreon supporters. I did Pajaco6502 and talking about his crown jewel and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, 48K Ram, which is Josh Malone. Get those batteries out. Oh, cool. So you got you got both the guys in there. Okay, I got, I got both those guys there, and I got two more lined up. So February, we'll have two more guys, and we'll just wow. keep doing it until everyone doesn't want to do it anymore. Maybe uh, maybe we'll get a guy and a gal. Hopefully, we don't have any 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 gal Patreon followers yet. So that's that's a, that's what part of my uh, we're doing at work. We're doing a lot of twenty twenty two planning right now, Eric. Yeah, we're setting yeah. up our goals, doing and our missions, missions and strategies. Yeah, and uh, one of my goals is to get a female uh, Patreon. Actually, my goal is just to find out that we have somebody who regularly listens to the show who actually cares about video games who is female. Yeah, because I, I don't know why I we mean, haven't attracted that audience yet. But and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm not taking light of it because I know that there are a lot of yeah. female gamers out there. And what, just why are we so repulsive to them? <laughs> exactly, that is my question. I heard those guys talking about the Baltics. <laughs> what was the name of that character you just did? We need to name her. <laughs> I just made it up. I don't know who that was. Oh, man. All right. Eric, I think you and I actually are almost ready for another beer already. Even yes, though we are. I'm, the listeners I'm, just heard like 40 minutes of content, but we, it's only been like five minutes. We just down to these things. <laughs> I just down. Yeah, this one's gone. <laughs> I'm ready for number two, the, right. the second one. I don't want to say number two. I'm, let's do this one because I have it ready. Okay, awesome. That's a good right. one. I supplied that one. Mm-hmm. All right, let me grab uh, one of my. I have a bag of beer. It's bag. a it's a cooler bag. Any good man should. So we're gonna enjoy ourselves a Mexican lager. Yeah, um, and then we'll uh, taste it or rate it, and we'll start some news. Awesome. So this one is Illuminado Mexican Lager. It is five percent alcohol by volume. It is a big boy. A big boy, sixteen ounce Tall boy, can. Yeah. Echo, hecho, it's echo. I think echo yeah. and Yolo, which is made in Yolo County. Yolo County. Yolo. Yep. This is by Campus Brewing, which used to be Yolo Brewing. Uh, when it was Yolo, I went to their brewery and it was really good. Now yep. it's called Campus, and now Cody, it's terrible. It's out of business. Oh. Is it really? 
Yep, they just went out of business. They're, well, they're, so their I last day is the end of January. No, no, no. I can't open this. This is worth something. <laughs> this is going to be. This is money right here, Eric. Well, if so, capitalism says anything, no, it's not worth anything. <laughs> so this is quite literally like the last one of these I'll have. We're going to rate a beer that won't exist by the time I finish drinking this. Correct. If you drink it and you're like, oh my, this was the best beer I've ever had. Guess what? You're we, out of luck. We are part of the problem. We made it go extinct. That's right. That's right. With our I, lack I, of enthusiasm for it. And I'm not, I'm not entirely joking right now. There's like a weight to what's happening to me right now. Like, yeah. They were in the news. I, I actually read this in the paper. So, you know, Dreaming Dog, the brewery, which is a walking distance of my house? Yeah, yeah. Out of business. They're done. May, and and not, not of any fault of their own, they couldn't renew their lease. Yeah. Like somebody wants to sell that property. So they couldn't renew the lease and they don't have the money to move. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I never cared for that brewery, but still feel bad for the, the owners and things, so. They had some great, a couple of great brews. So anyway, here it is. So Luminato, cheers. cheers. We didn't even cheers last time, Eric. No, we didn't. We're going to do it this time. We're going to do it now. So cheers. I put a little beeps in there. Some lasers. All right. While we take a sip, I'll play a sound effect. <clears throat> okay, go ahead. Mm. Well, ooh, that is honey. That's got some flavor to it, which Mexican yeah. lager typically, you know, like usually I'll throw a lime in there because, you know, Mexican lager by design, it's not supposed to be super flavorful. You throw a little lime in there and it gives you some fruit flavor, but this one has some flavor to it. Well, my beer of the year last year was a Mexican lager. Yeah, it was the, the um, what, what's the his name? Danny Trejo's, Trejo yes. Cerveza. I still see and that box of because I love it's, I love boxes of six packs like when they're in boxes I, I don't yeah. know why I just love that and that's that's that and it's in Nugget like the the Nugget supermarket mm-hmm. here and uh, it's good yeah that was my beer of the year last year so how does this one compare that's the question Eric right what do you think I, I, I'm gonna pick I'll pick the rating system here um, I'm looking at the can. It's really plain. It's like all blue. No wonder they're going out of business. <laughs> yeah. Um, get an artist. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it says Illuminato. So I'm going to say out of, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say, uh, out of, since that, I'm going to say light bulbs out of 120 light bulbs. Okay. Okay. Go with that. 120 watts. 120 watts. That's fine. Yeah, 120 watts. Um, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's weird to how to explain this one. Now let's see, let's see if you can follow what I'm saying here and agree with sure. me. Yeah. So it's, it's a couple things all at once. It's up front. Yes. It is like sickly sweet and then you swallow and then it's like paper thin. Does that make sense? <laughs> that does make sense. No, like you're right. It's like no, heavy right. and like honey, like almost like you just poured honey in your mouth you swallow and then it's like you're drinking mineral water like everything just disappeared yeah um it's effervescent it's effervescent on the tongue it's not mm. it's not gross but i don't like it yeah it's I, not I don't great. dislike it i just i don't like it great so out of 120 I'll, I'll go first here i'm gonna give it out of 120 i'm gonna give it a 70 right in the 70 zone okay okay well Eric, what i want to say it, yolo 
often mm-hmm. stands for you only live once. Right. And when it comes to this beer, I say <laughs> good. Good riddance. <laughs> good riddance. Uh, sorry to totally rip on a local business, but uh, yeah, this beer's not great. I, I Well, the good news is by the time this airs, <laughs> they won't be a local they won't, business anymore. <laughs> yeah, they, they could be retro gamers and they can still be offended as people. I don't want that either, exactly. Eric. But uh, I will um, say when I went to when I went to their brew, when I went to their little brew house thing, it's in West Sac and it's in an old industrial area. Yeah. It was fun. I had a blast and some of their beers are really good. So this is just good. the anomaly. So Okay. Yeah. I don't find you like you're grimacing when you drink it. I don't find it that offensive. I it's actually not- it's just super sweet. Yeah. And then, I and then super you, not. It's <laughs> I honestly think, Cody, like seriously, I know you're not a big fan of putting fruit and beer, but if you threw a tart lime in here, it would counterbalance the sweetness and I think it would be better. Yeah. I really yeah. do. Well, so. I'm gonna try to be just a little bit better guy than Eric. I'm gonna price us right this and say seventy one. A little bit better. Yeah. But we yeah. nailed it. We nailed it. Nailed it. All right. All right. Eric. Let's talk about games. Let's get back to games. Well, if we talked about games, should we just talk about like stuff that happened in the past? Or should we talk about the news? Reporting the news! <clears throat> Eric? Yeah? Take us off. Take us away here. From Retro Gamer Nation, Tanabra. I know that guy. Now, I think that's how you pronounce it. Tanabra? Yeah, I'll go with that, yeah. Is a Commodore 64, Commodore Plus 4 game. That's interesting. Comes out the Commodore Plus 4. I want to play it on the Plus 4. Tanabra is an atmospheric puzzle game with roguelike elements. Guide the hapless protagonist to the exit, but also keep in mind that he is afraid of darkness and refuses to walk in the dark areas. So I, I don't know if you're going to pull up some video on this, but it is. this would actually go with our six good games. Yeah, it absolutely would. It is a black and white game. I didn't have time to play it, so I didn't add it to our six good games because we're doing games with three colors or less. This game is monochrome, black and white. And that'll um, be the next episode, by the way. I forgot to mention that, but yeah. So when you walk around in this game, it is like fog of war. Like you can only see where the light is. So a little ball of light in, around you or ball of light around a torch. Correct. So you're walking around and... The only thing that I, I mean, I think this looks really interesting and I, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to see what, what it costs to grab and see. I think it's more of a, like a puzzle game where you're trying to find the it's exit. A puzzle game. It's absolutely a puzzle game. Yeah. And so I'm not a big fan of puzzle games unless they, there's some action to it. If there's action puzzle to the game, I'll, I'll do it. But one way or another, it seemed interesting. And one thing that with like with the Commodore 64, it gets into ruts. Like there's all these shoot 'em ups that come out, um, which is great. I like shoot 'em ups, but it's hard to find more unique games that come out. Like like that are like Brightly Rich. Chron- oh yeah, Brightly Rich. Brightly Rich Chronicles. There's there hasn't been a JRPG that came out on Commodore 64. I don't know if ever, but uh, for yeah. a long time. So it's very unique. Whenever I see a unique game, it piques my interest. And this one looks very unique. So what do you think? I mean, from the video you've seen. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been seeing a little bit of this around. And um, yeah, it's a really cool top-down puzzle game. You, The cool thing about it is that you have torches and stuff. And you, some torches you can pick up and then carry the light with you. And then you can lay them on the ground and leave that ball of light there. And then go grab another torch or cross something yeah. that you can't carry the torch over. So it's definitely a, a puzzle game. Um but I like the concept, and uh, 
got a cool little aesthetic and the way the the light flickers it totally does feel like there's candlelight which is absolutely which is pretty good for a commodore game you know um cool it, it very, is it is very unique download now name your own price on itch.io so it is yep. as we say on pixel get in everywhere from one dollar to infinite dollars exactly and, and <laughs> I, it's it looks like it's worth some money i i you know with me with puzzle games it's a rough sell but you know it, this one looks like it might be pretty cool and someone down here says there's 25 levels and they're kind of easy so eric you can <laughs> i could do this there's no we, timer we can enjoy this like the, there's two things i don't like i don't like i don't like uh puzzle games and i don't like timers but yeah. this one doesn't have a timer so well it's funny because about a year ago a game came out for the commodore 64 called tenabra macabra that's right now this is just tenabra not to confuse it um so i'm guessing tenabra must mean like darkness or torch oh, yeah. that's a because good that game was uh was essentially a action platformer in the dark yeah where little lightning strikes basically that's lit up the right. screen yeah that's right yeah. cody you're puzzling this out i'm really proud of you you know i'm on level two i'm proud I, of you I made, buddy i made it to level two <laughs> let me let me drink some more of this swill <laughs> I gotta admit that Baltic mm. Porter kind of went to my head. You didn't have the nine percent, but this I'm starting to feel a little like like uh, there we go. heavy in the head there. Well, you you slammed some caffeine before you started the show. Then I put I a, did that big Baltic Porter bigger than a tall boy. I think it was like twenty ounces. So I need and you to 9%. help me later when I have the caffeine crash. I'm like, oh man, guys, I can't go on. I'll just get louder and pick it up and be more energetic and exciting. Excellent. <clears throat> You're next, buddy. I am next. Eric, this is, again, on Pixel Gaiden, it is news to us. It doesn't mean it's new news. No. It's news to us. Right. Um, I just recently, I've been poking around on Stone Age Gamer, as I like to do, and I have never noticed this. I don't know if it's new to them or if it came out months ago and I just never saw it or what, but Eric, this will be of interest to you as well, because what is in your box of uh, Broken Dreams? That starts a with Cal- Coleco. Yeah, Coleco Vision. Yes, it is. There is one in there. You're um, right. So if you hop on StoneAgeGamer.com, who okay. is not a show sponsor, so they should probably just send us one of these for free. Yeah. They have or, for... Or a check. Or a check. Yeah, we'll take whatever. Uh, a brand new uh, Coleco USB power supply for your wow. Coleco Vision. So it's got the weird little port with the random, like, uh, four holes in it that's very proprietary yes um kind of hard to say it says usb power supply adapter for the ColecoVision. so use your ColecoVision with a standard usb connector plug and play uh usb type c uh yeah just plug into usb port wall adapter and it runs your ColecoVision. that is really cool um josh told me something today on the like the little patreon interview that i did with him yeah he told me that – so one thing in the past is I've seen some auctions for Coleco Atoms, you know, the computer that – Yeah, yeah. And I avoid them like the plague because the power supply is built into the printer. Oh, Which I, I think is that. ridiculous. Yeah, so if you get one and you used to have to run the computer and then plug it all through the printer to plug into the wall, which huh. I think is ridiculous. and. That's why I didn't want to do it because the printers, they, they, most of the time they don't work. So they're this useless thing that sits on a desk and it takes up a lot of space, right? Yeah, it's bizarre. Huh. I didn't know that. So I was talking to Tim on my little interview with him about Crown Jewels and 
we came up with, uh, I mean, he said that there's a guy that is making power supplies for the Coleco Atom that, that gets the, the printer out of the chain. Take, takes the place of the printer. I wonder if this is it. Like, maybe this will work with that. Because the ColecoVision and the Coleco Atom have a lot in common. They use the same chipsets and all that stuff. So, hmm. similar chipsets, at least. So, I don't well, know. Maybe and the Coleco, the Coleco uh, power supply is a huge chunk of copper. Oh, man, it is. And... And the problems I'm having with the the box of dreams one yeah. might be power related. I think and they I, are because I had very yeah. similar issues, and and then um, forget how I came upon a second Coleco uh, Coleco Vision. But I have three power supplies because I got two different auctions for Coleco Coleco Visions, and yeah. they all have problems and different problems. And it's the power is it's related to the power supply. Yeah. Well, this thing. Even if it's not the power supply, this is the cool device. So if you if you try it and it doesn't fix the problem, but now you have a better power supply, cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's worth that worth neat. mentioning. Definitely. Um, something What's else that's on? not only not only news to me, but actually news. Uh, there has been an update to the Evercade handheld, Eric, which in America is the only Evercade you can get at this moment. Uh, by the time the next episode airs, in theory, they will have shipped the Evercade versus consoles. But um, Evercade firmware 2.0. That's right. The update is an actual revision, not a one point something point something point something. It's a 2.0, Eric. What? What? So if you have a uh, Evercade handheld like myself and like Eric, uh, go ahead and pop this thing in there, and it's apparently connects. It fixes a whole lot of things. Um, they even say right here, the newest episode is, uh, uh, newest update is a big one. Um, but a big part of it is it actually updates the entire UR to basically have a lot of features that make it similar to the Evercade versus that just came out. Wow. Allowing all users to have a brand new experience and provide much requested features, including, um, extra languages, completely redesigned menu, uh, new themes, a lot of benefits from the UI, including save game images, the ability to delete your saves, controller mode, so that when you get your verses, you can actually use it as a controller on your verses. So yeah. I bought the, the verses with two controllers, so this will be my third now. <laughs> the update and my existing handheld. That's awesome. Um, a couple other things like support for Mac and Linux and and other things, but yeah. So if you got one, go go grab this thing. There's a huge list of things it's adding. And for the very first time, about a week ago, maybe about two weeks ago, I plugged my Evercade because it has a HDMI port on it. If you have yeah. micro HDMI and HDMI, yep. for the very first time, I plugged mine in and I, I put a screenshot on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that, but I played my Evercade on a large screen just using the device as a controller. It yeah. worked great. It worked great. Yeah. yeah, when, yeah. I first, when I first got mine, I, I tried that as well. Um, but the TV I tried on had lag. Well, I don't think it was the Evercade. I think it was the TV. Yeah. But anyways, so I have not done it since. But yeah, ultimately, Eric, when you come up here, we're going to have to play some two-player Evercade. That'd be good That times. would be awesome. And I got a couple of new games for uh, Christmas, which nice. I forgot to add to my uh, my catching up. So I'm going to I'm gonna jump those in there. There you go. Do that. Do that. For next month or, ne- or uh, next episode next month. That 9% is knocking me out. <laughs> That's all right. I have no excuse. I'm... I'm just fine. I still can't talk. I'm tripping over my words anyways. 
All right. So next one is is a game for the ZX Spectrum. Nothing is a ZX Spectrum 128K port of the PC game created by Joel Likes Pigs. That's a name. <laughs> His mom should be ashamed. Yeah. Why would you do that? For the Ludum Dare 45 competition, which I've heard of. Um, it's like another competition for game development. Huh. Um, I'm very curious so about in this what the game, idea is. In this game, you start with nothing. The game takes the theme quite literally by starting with no controls, no music, and no sound, and then rewarding your progress by gradually releasing various upgrades, some of which are crucial, many, frankly, useless, but still fun to discover. And So, uh, so, so is the first screen just a white background? You just have to wait until something appears then? <laughs> I was trying to figure it, out how the game starts. I get it's the kind of like that. Now, w- one of the things is I considered this game for my like uh, less than three color game for six good games. Oh, I see four right there. But the thing is, I, I quickly discovered there's two many, one too many colors, but yep. it does start <laughs> monochrome. It starts monochrome. See that? Mm-hmm. Um, but as you progress and you get updates... Or uh, I'm sorry, when you find little upgrades, it upgrades the sound, the color. You start getting more you, the ability to jump, all that kind of stuff. Um, this looks really good. It does look really good, and like as you get further and you get see the like the little color and the little hat thing, you keep getting more and more um, quality of life <laughs> upgrades to your to to the game. And uh, I, I thought this was a very novel thing, and ZX Spectrum 128K games usually don't disappoint. They usually have very good sound. They usually are a little more robust than the 48K games. This one looks really good. Unlike those 48K nonsense. <laughs> exactly. Garbage games. But this would. Oh, there's your fourth color. He just got it. Yep. This would play great on your. Fifth, um, six. Oh, Eric, six colors. Six colors right there. So oh, yeah, my I didn't gosh. pick this. I didn't pick this, but. Um, this would look great on your uh, next. Yeah, I have it. my next is right next to me, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I still yeah, have mine. I'll, I'm gonna have to pick this one up for sure. <clears throat> and, it, and it must be it must be for for purchase because there's a demo. But then I scroll yeah. down. And actually, the digital only key is zero dollars. So why is there a demo when the full version is zero? <laughs> I don't know. These are all good questions. These are hmm, these are the days of our lives. Maybe the guy's Baltic. <laughs> that would explain so much, Eric. <laughs> um, probably know we're digging the biggest hole ever right now. We have no exactly. clue. Half of our Patreons are going to unsubscribe being like, hey, <laughs> dude, I'm Baltic. Or maybe we just uh, rose, raised, raised awareness for yeah. the Baltic community and other people exactly. are all Googling it right now so they can pretend they already knew and then call us idiots. Exactly. Tell Eric. me about this next one because... <laughs> this one is close to my heart. Well, that's the only reason I put it in here. There's all kinds of stuff popping up on the Switch, old games, retro games, including yes. a whole lot of Neo Geo Pocket games, which have been popping up on there, which is cool, because I'm sure most people have not played Neo Geo Pocket games. And honestly, I think I've said this before when we were talking about the Neo Geo Pocket. If you're going to talk about a system where you can just pick any game in the library, the chances are that it's good. Yeah. Neo Geo Pocket. Like, they're all it's good. It. They're all they're good. Be- wonderful, wonderful games. Um, um, but probably the game I spent actually, I absolutely the game I spent the most time with was the Card Fighters Clash series. Yep. And the SNK versus Capcom Card Fighters Clash game yep. is now, excuse me, out and released for the Nintendo Switch. And have you gotten this yet? I have not. No, it is seven ninety nine. Guess who has two thumbs and bought this last night? 
that guy. I see on this my screen. Guy, I bought it right when you when I when I learned about it. I I grabbed this. This is my second favorite game on the the color Neo Geo Color Pocket. I love this game. So so the original Neo Geo Pocket, there was two versions of the game. One where you got to be the SNK characters, and one where you got to be the Capcom characters. Right? Yes, that's right. So this is does this have both? You get to pick. Hmm. Okay. You get to pick between either one. Um, and the, so I downloaded this. And I, I got to admit, I only played it for about 10 minutes before I ran out of time. But it, it, it gives you a picture of the Neo Geo Pocket Color, and that is the frame of your screen. Yes. So, so actually, all the Neo Geo Pocket games on the Switch have that, have that yeah. border. Yeah. And so, and you can pick different, the different color themes for like the, the machine. It's pretty, I mean, that's a little thing that's kind of silly, but it, it it's kind of cool because I, I really like that. Um, but I played it. It is exactly the same as the one on the Neo Geo Pocket Color, which is great because it is a fantastic game. It is. And I mean, this has more, uh, like, I don't know if there's a term. I'm sure the Germans have a term for this. Um, but it's like more recent nostalgia, like, uh, yeah, I believe they call that Flugeklauchen. Exactly. Flugeklauchen, blocker, blocker. Like, it's got to be like at least 10 minutes long. That when sounded you say more it. Baltic, actually. <laughs> oh, poor Baltics. <laughs> um, we say Baltics, but I know that's not a term. <laughs> I feel like um, we need to research this before we release this episode. <laughs> exactly. We're probably like offending, like, <laughs> this is probably going to create an international crisis. <laughs> Sorry, Biden. This is uh, this, yeah. this is now on you, bro. Oh man! Uh, but um, I, I have the story of this game where when I when I first started playing this, I went into a like I remember I was on a lunch break for for work and I stopped off at a Starbucks and I this is before I did my screen mod and I went into a Starbucks and I bought a coffee. Yeah, and I went over and sat next to the window because the screen on it is horrible. You got to admit that the screen. I, I never had an issue with it until you said that, and you ruined it for me. I don't know why I never noticed that before, but the screen—the screen is beautiful. Just there's no light. Oh, the 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 resolution and the colors are beautiful, but there is no light. So if you're in a dark light sourced room, you or even a medium light, <laughs> exactly. And so this was before that, but I I got my coffee and I went and I sat next to a window that had perfect lighting, like beating down on my yep. device, and I was like. I played that thing for an hour and that game is so awesome. So that's the one you want to play SNK versus Capcom card fighters. Like get that on switch. It is a wonderful game. Well worth the eight bucks you're going to spend on it. Yeah. I, I, if you remember, I did play through the entire game. I got to the very last character you had to beat and I just couldn't beat it. It was like one of those things where I spent probably, 60% 60% of my time trying to get to that per- that last person and 40% of my time beating my head against it and not be <laughs> right right I finally had to just stop but had a great one time thing, getting there the one thing that I did notice cuz I had to do a little refresher to remember how to play the game the game has a built-in manual and it is the manual it's literally a scan that you can turn oh, yeah, the page cool. and it's the manuals in there so d- well worth it go grab this 7.99 on the on the Play Store there or whatever yeah. it's called Eric did you know yeah that the balts or baltic people okay. are an ethno linguist i can't talk ethno linguistic group of people who speak the baltic languages of the balto slavic branch of the indo-european languages lithuania, and they're called balts it's basically lithuania and latvia 
Wow. And there might, maybe there's more, but that's the, the summary that I was given on Wikipedia. So I'm going to check our numbers in Lithuania and Latvia and make sure yeah. that we have very few or hopefully none at this point, yeah. at least for this episode. They can I want to give a shout out to I want to them the to bolts. listen to all the rest. Yeah. You know, the bolts are my, are, they're my, they're my guys and gals. Yeah. They're my third favorite of our listeners, the bolts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to the bolts. Yo, they make Love you guys gr- and they make a great porter they do they do make a great <laughs> porter baltic porter one of the best so thank you um you guys Balts. are great you guys are great <laughs> it does say bolts is a word you can say bolts all right bolts. i've never and heard it, of that so we've it, learned something you know pixel guiding it's also an educational program it's what i like to call edutainment yeah exactly uh what's Eric? next no, what's I've next got, i've got two items here all right the first yeah, one is, did you know, remember the small Taito Egret mini that was, I, had to come yes. out? And I'm how excited cool, about it. How cool that thing was. Yeah. Uh, and one one of the big reasons it was so cool is there was also one called uh, the Astrocade mini mm-hmm. from Sega. Yeah. I remember. Another one of the candy caps. Um, but the Taito Egret mini had the rotatable screen. Yes, I do remember that. So we, you and I were excited because like, how cool was that? Yep. Um but you had to buy it from Japan, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The Taito Egret 2 Mini, same thing, new games, and it's getting a Western release, Eric. What? So there are 50 games coming out on the Taito Egret 2 Mini, and apparently in March 2022, on the March 2nd, I guess, okay, it should be released for the Western market. And you had me at Bubble Bobble. Yeah, Bubble Bobble, Bubble Memories, Bubble Symphony, Kadash, Kraken Pop, Darius Guide, like ton. Oh, here's Don Doku Don. Eric, if you like Snow Bros, mm. I've talked about this game for you. You've got to try Don Doku Don. Elevator Action, I like that one. Um, man, Metal Black is a cool shmup. New Zealand Story is a great one. That's a lot of fun. Um, Space Invaders. There's a lot of, looks like a lot of really cool games. Yeah. Taito, I mean, Taito made some great games. All right. So Eric, the gimmick oh, on this for people that don't know, we covered this in a in a previous episode though. The the Taito Egret had this really cool. Th- this mini has a cool feature where you can pop the screen out and then rotate it to Tate mode, and then it snaps back in. So you can no. rotate that screen to to regular and to ta- Tate mode. Yep. So that's pretty is, amazing. So it's vertical. It's uh you know yeah. taller than it is wide, rather than yep. wider than it is tall. But Eric. Yeah. Sega Astrocade okay. didn't want to be left out. Nope. So this the Sega Astro City Mini yeah. is coming out with their second version and it's getting a Tate mode. It is what? a is it now I don't think it's rotatable, but it is a Tate version. Now, here's what's so cool about this one, Eric. And this is what this one I mean now I want well, I've always wanted both, but now I really want both. It is basically a shmup machine. Yeah, because so you got to admit, the reason you want Tate mode is for the shmups. Shmup or pinball or a lot of classic, you know, Space Invaders and Galaga. Pinball, those, definitely. Those are set up that way. Yeah. But if you read the list on the uh, Astro City Mini here, it's a, so it's permanently Tate. Yeah. Um, it is not rotatable. It's just permanently Tate. That's fine. Um, but these are all shmups, and they're legit. Uh, oh, Bat Rider, wow. Battle Back Raid, Batsigan, uh, yep. Doggyun, uh, what's Sonic Wings, 
Moon Gun Cresta, Gunbird, Strikers 1945, Terra Cresta, Raiden. Raiden, uh Desert Breaker, Action Fighter, Zaxxon, I and mean, it keeps going. They're now, all Now remind schmucks. me what that Tatsuin that that one is um what's the name of that? The American uh, name. At the um, uh Western uh, Truxton, I believe. Truxton. You're that's Truxton. it. That's it. Truxton, which is uh, when I first got my Genesis, like I tried well, I was I I said, "Hey, what's this Truxton?" I played that thing for days. I loved Truxton. It's a very... A lot of people consider that one of the best, if not the best, Genesis shmup. Yep. Um, I actually had a physical copy of Stormer, uh, Grindstormer on the on the Genesis, which is like 300 bucks or something stupid now. And it's it's the fastest shmup I've ever seen on a Genesis, if not yeah. on any machine. It's crazy how that machine can make that go that quick. But anyways, this is like the shmup machine. Um, but it looks like it's only got like eh, 20 games rather than 40. Yeah. When's this coming out? But they're all shmups and I don't, it doesn't specifically say if it's coming out in the West or not. So probably not scroll down a little bit. I thought I saw something there. It does say It'll come out launches in summer 2022 and will cost $172 USD. But th- yeah, it doesn't say if it's going to come out here or not. Yeah. Which I don't think it does because $172 US means it's converted from a normal number. Like yeah. 129 pounds, which it says there. Or uh, uh, 19,580 yen. I gotta admit, with the mood I've been in lately, I would really want some shmup. So that one looks really appealing to me. I'm, I'm feeling shmuppy. Shmups, you just turn off your brain and it goes into like primitive animal mode and I, you just I play lo- shmups for hours. I love shmups yeah. so much. Uh, don't get me started. <laughs> oh. Don't get me started, bro. As I drink my beer and slobber, I need my schmups. Yeah. I don't want any of them cerebral games. I want, I want something I could... Yeah. I don't want puzzle games. I don't want I don't want time limits. I don't want to think. I just want to blow stuff up. Exactly. Eric, this one's yours, so I don't know why you're taking a sip of beer. Because <laughs> I'm drinking. <laughs> All right, let's do this. A game which has been published by the Future Was 8-Bit. The Future Was 8-Bit! In which you must rescue the universe by destroying everything that gets in the way. It looks like a uh, Misfit game. It's called Misfit, I think. If you Misfit, no, that he's up. the guy that made it. Oh, I'm sorry. Misfit's the guy that made it. It's called High Score. A C64 High game score. by Misfit with an awesome soundtrack. Um, here it is. And if you look at it, it reminds me of that game. What is that game... Oh, I know exactly um, what you're talking about. What's that game you liked a lot? Um, and I liked it too. I loved it. Um, it's that Richard Bayless game. Um, you're thinking about yeah. Transector, I think. Transector, yeah. But this this reminds me a little bit of that. But watch what happens. Like like in the vi- in the gameplay, like you can flip directions, so you can go back and forth. Um, it's this really cool. Trying to get there in the gameplay here. Yeah. Unfortunately, so we're looking at it on Indie Retro News, and while yeah. I do love Internet Retro News, and the the guy who runs the thing, I do have yeah. to point out that the videos he takes, yeah, he does not have good skilled gameplay. <laughs> 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 so it's hard to get through much of the game watching these but things. It, one thing that caught me on this game was the the fast action, of course, but like he's shooting up like in a normal shmup, but then he can reverse course and shoot down like okay. towards the bottom of the screen. So there has to be some mechanism to reverse course and go like in a, different directions here. Almost like a vertical defender. 
Right, but watch, it'll like flip around where he's shooting downwards, and enemies will come from behind. So, like I said, there's got to be some mechanism for turning around. I don't know what that is, but it looks like a yeah, very there, there he is, see, like right there. So, again, this is called High Score, H-I hyphen score. Um, looks like a really cool game. Buy the Future was 8-bit. For your Commodore 64. That's um, what I got. All right, so this one takes a little... There's a reason I put this in the news. Okay. So when, when I got my Neo Geo, my yeah. a- AES, my home console, uh, yeah. all of like two months ago, I was super excited. Still am. Love it. It's over there. And I only own two physical carts because the carts are st- stupid price. They're, the, yeah. the vast majority of them are more than the system itself. And the yeah, system itself is insane. Money. Crazy, crazy money. Crazy money. So I've been waiting for this chip shortage to end. In fact, I tried to win an eBay auction that... For uh, for a Neo SD, so I can play all the games on the SD card. Yeah, right. And those things are crazy money, but they're a whole lot less than almost any one game, and you can have every game. So, anyways, I'm working on that. I'm trying to find a way to get that so I can play all my Neo Geo games on my actual Neo Geo, which yeah. is exciting to me. But a, a big part of trying to figure out which <laughs> SD um, cart to go with is that a lot of the modern games that come out you have to either buy you have to buy the full cart they don't sell the roms right and and the full carts you know for a new neo geo game they're like 800 to 2500 bucks they're crazy crazy. and that's a new that's just a new game you know yeah because they have two pcbs with a pump to rom rom chips i don't think there's any way to emulate them you've got to actually do anyways it's crazy so i was really excited to find out that even though i own this on two other formats xeno crisis yeah decided to finally release the Neo Geo AES and MVS ROMs for sale, so you can buy them for 15 euros. That's you, a reasonable price. Yeah. I mean, I'll, and it's a great, it's a great game too. Uh, Cause like you, I have it on two different systems. I have it on Genesis and I have it on my Evercade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, what I really want it on is my Neo Geo. Cause that's what it was originally designed for. And then they, modified it to go to other other the dreamcast is basically the neo geo rom and then the genesis was um i think it was ground up built for the genesis but the legit way to play it is the neo geo that's what the original Mm -hmm. game was made on and uh for 20 bucks you can get the rom and then what i might do because i'm me is i might just buy the soft box because they have you can buy it for 25 euros you can buy the actual box yeah. that the cartridge would come in to make it look like an actual Neo Geo release, which it is an actual Neo Geo release, but um, but then I could put that on my shelf, and it's for 25 euros, you'd get this nice huge box with pretty artwork. It shows down here 306 megabytes, which is small enough to fit on the standard Neo Geo SD. Anyways. Oh, man, look at that price me, of worth the... Pointing out. Did you see the price of the Neo Geo cartridge, though? That's Less- a spicy meatball. Well, that's the MVS cartridge, and that's yeah, that's three, what I mean. Three hundred pounds, so that's you know four hundred bucks ish, which Ooh. isn't too bad because a lot yeah. of the other games, if you go online and look up yeah. like Fast Strike or, or any of the games made by um, uh, what are they called? Red Spot, Red. Yeah, I mean they're they're thousands, thousands. So, anyways, awesome game, awesome system, and an awesome way to finally release the ROM so that people can play it, which I'm. As long as they eventually get to it, that's what I'm hoping those companies can do. Because I get that you want people to buy the carts for a year or two. Yeah. You know, do it the right way. But right. 
You're right. So this is a game that I have not downloaded yet or purchased, but I will because this game is right up my alley. This game looks amazing. This is called The Swarm. Um, and it is on the ZX Spectrum. And if you look at the game, it is a top-down shooter where you're walking around as a per like a like a enemy or whatever, and you are firing at enemies. So kind of like if you if you guys are familiar with Alien Breed on Amiga mm-hmm. or I mean, for, to a lesser degree, like Gauntlet, um, uh, uh, the Eagle's Nest on the Commodore sixty four. Yeah, um, it's kind yeah. of a top down shooter where you're walking around through different areas. But this thing has like an inventory system where you can drop little bombs and then walk away. And if the enemy walks over the bombs, they blow up. And the ga- it it's a much deeper game than something like a Gauntlet. It looks very I'm, Gauntlet though. I really want this game and I just have not had time in over a month to download and try this game, but I want it so bad. It looks really, really good. And, um, this is the kind of game that I could spend hours playing. I love this game, this this style game. So I'm hoping that it lives up to it and it looks like it, right? I mean, this game looks really awesome. So it's funny. I, I, I fell into this the wrong way. Okay. I saw, you know, just, I, I got my, spectrum all hooked up and i'm like great i'm just going to download the last 20 games or whatever that i missed out on on the spectrum okay and so this is just one of them i was burning through it and quickly i realized first of all the the moment to moment gameplay was really fun Mm -hmm. but i could tell it was a whole lot deeper than i was ready to give it time for and so i kind of dismissed it without knowing that it did all these things and figuring out how to use them all yeah so to me it was almost like oh i need a manual and i need to read it i don't have time for that yeah Watching the gameplay actually being played correctly, mm-hmm. I can tell that it's more of a, a methodical, slow-paced. Um, it's an action adventure game, action game, but you uh, you need to take your time, figure out what you're going to use, where you're going to use it, and it's a, a thinking man's action game. Absolutely, yeah, it looks cool. So I, I through, out of all the games I've seen recently, this is the one that I think looks the most interesting, but. Man, I have just not had time to 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 dive into it, but I'm going to. This slow game looks awesome. So it is called The Swarm. The Swarm. I think it's called The Swarm. The funny yeah. thing is even on the webpage, like it doesn't really say <laughs> I think it's called The Swarm or Swarm, right? Uh, it's, uh it must be called The Swarm is Coming because that's what it says everywhere. I think it's actually the name of the game. The okay. Swarm is Coming. Okay. But yeah, and it's we'll, almost it feels like it's an advertisement uh yeah. like a, you know, a bite, but it's Right. It's the name of the game, I think. The swarm is okay. coming. Dot, and dot, so, dot. like, you can always check our show notes. There'll be links to there, and I'll blah 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 blah. So, in case we forgot to na- say the name of that game, it's the swarm is coming. Yeah, ZX Spectrum. <laughs> um, it is not. I don't think it's a 128k game. So I think it's 48k. No, I think it's 48k. Um, I was listening to another podcast, and I know um, what I, another I, podcast. Yeah, every once in a while, I defect. Um, and they did the thing that we've done from time to time, and it yeah. drives me nuts. I know it drives some of our listeners, specifically Josh Malone nuts, where we talk about a game <laughs> for 10 minutes and either hardly or if ever mention the name of the game because we just yeah. get so excited we forget. <laughs> so I make that mistake a lot. <laughs> I actually heard another another podcast, which is, uh, even though we are the uh, the authority on retro video games, Absolutely. I have to say this, this podcast is, is a much... Um, higher production value than ours i'll put it much that. ballyhooed much, much ballyhooed. ballyhooed 
Yeah. It's ballyhooed up the wazoo. Exactly. And, uh, and they, they, they talked for 15 minutes without saying the name of the game because they just forgot to because they were so excited. And I'm like, gosh, darn it. I want to look this game up. It sounds so good, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Kills me. I, um, I will say, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell, tell, I'm gonna speak a truth here because I've been drinking. Like I, I do listen to the, I listen to the, um, the podcast uh, Retronauts a lot. Oh, I, boo! Other podcast. Oh, boo! Yeah, but I mean, I like, um, like Ben Edwards is one of my good friends on Twitter, and like ben, he's on there a lot. And, I love Ben. Ben's is a good. Ben's see, is a super. Good I say guy. he is a good. He's a, seems like I say I've only ever tweeted back, back and forth with him, but yeah. He he's not a Nazi. I looked him up. I, I checked his background. Um, but, he, but I mean, I, I do listen to the show and I find a lot of v- very valuable, like entertaining stuff about it. But I will notice that they will have a show about a game and they will talk about the game and they'll talk about the programmers, the history of the game. They'll talk about everything about the game, except what the game is. They never, yeah. sometimes they will totally blow over like what type of game it is. Yep. And they're, they're sitting there talking about, it. I'm like, I've never heard of this game. What is this game? I Retro, don't know. Retronauts what it is. is a great show. It's very informative. It's about people who like legitimately are probably some of the most knowledgeable. Oh man. There. Like the knowledge on them is like amazing. But a lot of those episodes, unless you're already very much a seasoned veteran and know yeah. a whole lot about games. Yep. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to, you're going to miss parts. Yeah, because I'm like, well, what is this game? Is it a shmup? Is it a platformer? Is it this or that? Yeah. They don't, they never say. They just talk about the history, which I'm a big fan of the history of games and stuff. But if you never say what the game is, it's like, well, I don't And they don't do it on purpose. It's the same reason we screw up and forget to say the name or I have to stop and be like, wait, real quick, real quick. It's an action platformer, side scroller, you know. Whatever, exactly. Because we just run off and run at the mouth. Hey, here's a news item. Yeah. Um, it's actually not really a news item. It's just kind of a fun thing that can't happen. But somebody okay. decided to shove a uh, uh, the guts of a GBA inside of a Tiger Electronics handheld system. And it just looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks cool. Um, yeah, it does look the, cool. Let me try to get the... Uh, I don't know, they're, they're getting way into the details here. I just want to see the thing. Um, it's a YouTube video. Of course, you can always check our show notes. And it's, I mean, the video is like 11 minutes long. It shows everything from how they laser printed everything to everything. Uh, here we go. Here's the uh, final result here. So it looks like, I mean, I guess it doesn't, it's not a tiger handheld. It just looks like one. It is 3D they printed. Just 3D, 3D printed one that looks like a tiger handheld. <clears throat> and the, the D pad and the, the long kind of long line buttons on the, <laughs> that from those tiger yeah. handhelds are still there. Um, and they, they, shove the guts of a GBA in there and you can put your cartridges in. There's volume. There's their auxiliary port. There's a bezel that looks just like the original, but with completely modernized graphics, um, which is, which is very cool. But I'm just thinking how cool it'd be to take a, any other device and shove it in an actual tiger handheld. Cause those games suck. Like they do. suck. I don't feel bad if somebody takes one of those tears it apart and makes it, and they look like they're going to be fun. And then you play them and they're not fun. So, and the funny thing is that, and, and I don't know what the market is now. They used to be a dime a dozen. You can go on eBay and find like ones for five. They bucks, still are. They still are. Yeah. So, I mean, to rip it out and just put your guts of whatever your favorite system is in one would be really cool. <laughs> so, no, I, I think that's really neat. 
my last item, I think Tim's got one more here, which Eric will cover. Uh, Arcade One Mortal Kombat cabinet is coming out. But guess what? That already came out, Eric. What? Why, why would they come out again? Well, first of all, the Mortal Kombat came out when, <laughs> when they were doing their first release of like five cabinets. Yeah. Um, and Street Fighter was one. I think there was yeah. a Pac-Man. I'm trying to remember the other one, but uh, I think it was a, a like a Space Invaders or something. Space Invaders was one of them. Yeah, and that was when they the were first generation one. Yeah, and this is Arcade One Up is kind of the weirdest things because everyone in the know, and I considered myself quote unquote part of this group of in the know, was like, you know what, these things are very cool. They yeah. are not going to catch on. I'm surprised they got into Targets and Walmarts. And they're going to start blowing them out for pennies on the dollar. And that's when I'm going to buy one. Because they came out for like 300 bucks. Yeah. Um, and guess what? It started heading that way. And I got my Street Fighter, which had, you know, all six buttons and two, you know, two joysticks and six buttons each. And I got mine for 150 clearance from a Walmart. And my buddy got a Mortal Kombat for, I think, 200 bucks clearance from Walmart. And I think some uh, Pac-Mans and stuff in California are going for like 120. I heard about people getting them in like Texas and like other other states, you know, for yeah. less than a hundred bucks. So we they, they're being blown out. We were going to all take these things and shove raspberry pies in them, and and that's exactly what I did. I have mine right over here. Yeah. Uh, and then inexplicably, they decided to go back to full price, and they blew up. And now they're not three hundred dollars each. They're like four to five hundred dollars each. That's right. And they're flying off the shelves, and people are filling entire rooms full of these things. They're making a ton of money. Um, so, I guess they're releasing the Mortal Kombat one again, but now that it's, I think, four ninety nine instead of two ninety nine. Yeah. What else do you get with your money? Well, first of all, you get they all come with the stand now, which they never did when they were three ninety or two ninety nine. They come with the stand, okay? They come with the stand, and the stand gives you an extra foot because they're like a three quarter side, you know, size arcade yeah. machine, um, which you have to either sit in a chair or get on your knees to play. Yeah. Uh, with the stand, as a you know six foot tall man, you can you can play it comfortably. It's a good size, and the stand used to be just black and say arcade one up on it. Now they actually have the stand uh, themed, yeah. match the artwork, yeah of the cabinets but they've added and this is very cool i think online multiplayer support oh wow that is a big deal yeah so if you've got your mortal Kombat cabinet and you don't modify it like i did um you can play i think a few different versions of mortal Kombat, and you can hop online and play other people that have mortal Kombat. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people will just be going on, um, you know, forums or discord or whatever and creating, creating communities where you can kind of plan to when to hop on and everyone can play each other and stuff. <laughs> Stop right there. Like on the screen, if you read like the, yes, 14 titles, Mortal 14 Kombat, titles. Mortal oh. Kombat 2. now if you read through, it says wizard of, what does it say? Wizard of wizard of Waz. <laughs> It's not Wizard of Waz. Well, it says Wizard of Waz, and then it has a trademark. Yeah, it's I'm, not I'm, Wizard of Waz. It's <laughs> Wizard of War. I'm typing in Wizard of Waz to see if that pops up. No. Nope, it's absolutely a typo. It's a typo. Yeah, Wizard of Waz. That's funny. So, so, th- so this is a big difference. It's not a bunch of versions of Mortal Kombat like the last one. It is right. 14 games. So you get Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, Mortal Kombat yeah. 3, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, and then you get... <laughs> Tubin. <laughs> Tubin. I feel like we went off the rails a little there. But we get you get Tubin. You know the game where yeah. you're 
a, a dude in board shorts sitting in an inner tube floating down a river while like flapping his hands around. Yeah. That's pretty much Mortal Kombat. Uh, Rampage, Joust, Wizard of Waz, <laughs> Gauntlet, <laughs> not Tapper, but Root Beer Tapper, the, uh, the kid-friendly version of Tapper where they don't serve alcohol, Defender, Bubbles, Paperboy, and Clax. That's a lot uh, of games. I'm happy to see they're at least including a lot more games because having two or three games for, you know, 300 bucks, that's not a great deal. Yeah, now if you, I agree. Uh, if if you get 14 games and they're all multiplayer online, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a good game. That's yeah, that's cool. a good deal. Yeah, I, I mean, a better deal. I don't know if it's a good deal, but yeah, yeah I, I want the Street Fighter one you have. And I never like bit bit the bullet and grabbed it because I that's the perfect button and joystick layout. Yep. Yep. To have an arcade machine. And, and that's the what I built my machine around. And my machine's fine. So I'm OK. But I it is disappointing to learn that they're just not blowing out at 150 bucks anymore. That's what I wanted to pay. So, yeah. That's fine. I still, I still kind of want to get. Um, they have a new one out that's, uh, I think, a uh, Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, but it's a new version of the Miss Pac-Man that's got uh, again like fourteen games. But I'll probably gut it. But it's also got. Uh, it's the version where it's all wood wood paneling on the side. Oh, and then the reason I really, really want it is it looks cool like that, but then it's got uh, the Tate screen for the classic arcade games yeah. like Miss Pac-Man and. Sure. All those shmups, gal, you know. So I'd have a freestanding Street Fighter for more typically more modern stuff, and then you'd have the classic one at the vertical screen for classics yeah. and shmups. Cool. Uh, last one, Tim. What did you have to say about uh, Pixel Guide N news? Pixel Guide N Twitch channel hits over fifty followers. Please follow over if you can. Fifty, 50. followers. So I just clicked on it now. I'm not going to lie for the first time in like five months. Uh, I've never, this is like, I've never this delved is, in here. Yeah, this is Tim's baby. And I've watched the videos and they're entertaining. And Tim does a great job. Yeah. I just am not a Twitter person. So, well, Twitch um, but person. the fact Twitch. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Twitch person. Yeah. Just the whole um, watching somebody do something live and interacting. I get it. I just don't do it. But I think I like it would to watch. be fun, but it always happens yeah. at a time when I'm working or oh, when yeah, I yeah, get yeah. off work, I spend time with family. So it's like, I don't have time to sit down and watch Twitch. I want to. These all look really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends what they're doing. If they're just playing a game and talking. Yeah. Um, but like the Amigos, like I, I, I never, I've never caught a live stream of the Amigos except Me for either. the one that we all did together because they start at 2 p.m. our time. Yeah. I'm like, I'm working. <laughs> yeah it, I, I can't i can't i can't pull that up while i'm working preach it uh, brother preach it. anyways anyways he's got a couple good ones that just came out so we're gonna i'm sure yeah. we'll talk about this a few more times uh the atari one, st one looks great and he did the, one where he pulled out his atari yeah. st and played a bunch and then like we mentioned uh he got his uh, evercade versus founder edition and he plays it live um and it looks like he's got a pretty good turnout you can see people writing their yeah. comments and things and interacting with them on the side. So I still have to watch those. Yep. Um, and if I ever do one, I got to, I guess I got to learn Twitch cause I've never been on it. Like, like not broadcasting from it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I would have no clue. Yeah. So cool. Oh, Tim, and cheers to you. Tip of my hat. I'd be afraid of saying something I couldn't edit later. Like we've yeah. already done twice this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Eric, that, yeah 
is almost the end of the show, except for what? the fact that we need to mention one last time. Yeah. We'd love for you guys to check out our show sponsor, RetroRewind.ca forward slash Pixel Guide N, so that we get a yep. little credit for it, um, where you can get all your Commodore, Tandy Coco parts, needs, repairs, things like that. Um, again, I, I kind of mentioned this last show, but I really do want to delve into making my own carts, and he's got the shells, the boards, uh, the 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 device you can plug into your computer to, to actually write the ROMs onto a chip. Yep. Make my own carts. I think that'd be cool. I need my diagnostic carts. Um, we got a whole box of stuff to send over there to Frank at RetroRewind.ca. You have no idea because he agreed to work on one of my Pong machines from 1970, whenever, and. I'm going to throw that in the box. Why not? He doesn't advertise that on the website, but you know no. what? So far, everything talk we've him, talked to him about, he's like, yeah, I could do it. So, Talk to him. If you have like a Whirlpool refrigerator <laughs> and it don't work, and you send, it play, to, send, send it to you Frank. Got, you got one of those new fandangled refrigerators that has the yeah. TV screen in the front and you want to play exactly. Doom on it? Frank, yeah. can I send you yeah. my Whirlpool? Yeah. <laughs> um, not, not exactly and, that, but close. But you know. You get where we, you, you're picking up what we're throwing down. Let, yeah, let, let me tell you. Let me like like so. I have an Amiga 500, and it the Amiga 500 all the all the capacitors are whole through capacitors. So I'm going to try to recap that one. Okay, that's within my realm of expertise, right? But I have an Amiga 600, which is rare. I mean, not, well, not rare, but I mean, it's it's a PAL version. It it doesn't have all hole through capacitors it has like some of the smd ones that are on the motherboard surface mount yeah i am i am the worst at those i will ham fist that i will destroy that within 30 seconds i guarantee it so guess what i'm sending it to frank at retro rewind because we're gonna take together. care of it and he will send it back quickly and it's cheap it's like 40 or 50 bucks right i think it's something like that it's actually I mean, not less, including eric. shipping it's yeah less eric because you can use discount code pg10 at checkout that's right. To save 10%. So go to retrorewind.ca forward slash pixel guide in. Use this count code PG10 at checkout. We appreciate it. Frank over yep. there appreciates it. We all win. You save some money. You get your retro stuff fixed. Love it. Yo, 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 Frank. Peace out. Word to your mother. Word to your mother. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we also do want to quickly mention we also have a YouTube channel. We'd love it for you guys to subscribe there. I know um, some stuff is popping up there. Eric has some stuff coming up. Eventually, I'm going to get to that Vectrex video. I do yeah. feel like the videos, when I get them done, are pretty good. So I am proud of them. I've got a couple things up there that are worth checking out yeah. uh, on the Commodore. And, um, and soon on. on the YouTube channel, I'm going to be releasing the supplemental to Eric's take where I will be discussing with Pajaco 6502 and Josh Malone, their crown jewels. And I'm going to do that every month for anyone who wants to talk about the, the crown jewels of their retro collections. Very cool. Next yeah. episode, again, we mentioned at the beginning of the show, but I will be talking about the state of retro gaming heading into 2022 on Cody's Corner. Um, Tim will be joining us. We are, of course, going to catch up, which is one of our favorite segments. We all just get to talk about what we've been up to and laugh. And, um, you know, Eric will say something and then we'll laugh and milk will come out, our, out, milk will come out, out of our nose somehow. <laughs> it's just hijinks ensue. And then, of course, we are going to have our... I, D- Eric, we still have a whole segment. I, and I'm wrapping up the show. We have a whole segment left this show. <laughs> 
<laughs> my goodness. That's right. Um, so next show, yeah, we're going to have six good games where we talk about six good games that only have three colors or less. We forgot about Battle of the Systems. We got to do it this let's episode. Do it. Let's do it. Not only this episode, let's do it right now. Battle of the Systems. <laughs> All right, Eric, we're going to battle some systems. Yeah, battle of the PS2 versus PS2. Yeah. Those are two completely different systems. We've got to talk about that now. It's the ultimate battle. (laughs) Do you remember the, like, Saddam Hussein bought a bunch of PS2s, or was it PS1s, and rigged them all together to build, like, a supercomputer to launch his nukes? A PS5? Yeah. No, 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 no. The the PS2. (laughs) And then when they found him in the spider hole and they like shoved something up his <laughs> Wow. <whatever>. Anyways, our type <laughs> final. <laughs> so anyway, so, yeah, we should our- talk about this. So what we're doing here, the battle is two PS2 games, our type final and Gradius five. Yes. Now I picked this battle because I, my retro gaming hobby really started after in college when I fell in love with shmups, shoot 'em ups, yeah. Yeah. little 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 airplanes going pew pew either vertically or horizontally on a screen. Yep. And while I was in this, these two games came out on the PlayStation Two. They were modern versions of classic games that had already had huge franchises. Um, you got your Gradius series, of course, from Konami, which had Gradius. It had Gradius two, three four up to this point it also had a spin-off life force um which was uh well, i say life force because in america they called it life force but salamander salamander um, yeah and then also salamander 2 happened and then they also had a version called nemesis which 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 i mean there's there was a number of these things you also had um r-type and of course the original r-type came out um also a horizontal scrolling shooter and we'll have to talk kind of about the differences between those shortly here. But R-Type, R-Type 2, um, R-Type Delta, I believe, happened. Um, we had R-Type DX on the Game Boy. Um, just a number of of games that based off of these horizontal shooters. And uh, so the natural evolution was for them to come out with you know, uh, new games for the modern system the the playstation 2 um i believe both these games only came out on the playstation 2 which makes that kind of unique so it's actually not a true battle of the systems because it's a battle of the system uh but our type of course came out from from irem whereas gradius came out from konami Um, i'd be remiss if i didn't mention that there was actually a third series that uh probably could have competed with these two except they did not release a Darius game on the PlayStation 2, to my knowledge. I don't, I don't, I can't think of one right now because Darius had a ton of games. Darius, uh, which of course was famous in the arcades for having two gigantic screens connected together so that the field of view was extremely long and extremely shallow. Um, Darius was very, had this fish theme with these giant, you know, space enemies that are these fish vessels, these futuristic spaceships that just happened to look like fish for some reason. And the bullets were very small. Um, 
but you got you got Darius, you got Darius two, you got G Darius, you've got uh, Darius Gaiden, which I think we actually talked about and played on the show at one point when we were when we were earlier. Uh, but outside of those three, Eric, uh, R Type, Gradius, Darius, those are kind of the big three horizontal yeah. schmuck franchises, to my knowledge. Unless you can think of any anything else, horizontal ones. No, I think that's it. I think that's it. I mean, it all started with Defender, kind of, but I mean. But yeah, but Defender. I mean, that was a one and done. They might have had one a, and done. A Defender two, no one knew about or something. But um, nope. Yeah, I think you're for for the big franchises. I think that's exactly it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'd love to dive right into these games now, really quick, Eric. Because I, yep. I, I, the first thing I will say is both these games did a great job of taking the original games, the, the original franchise. Yep. Um, all the way from the first game all the way up until this game, they kind of kept the character of those games. Yes. So if you were to describe, um, not not R-Type Final or Gradius Five, but if you were to mm-hmm. describe an R-Type game, a classic R-Type game, how would you describe that? So a classic R-Type game would be a game where you are shooting, it's of course a horizontal game. Um, it would be a game where you can grab power-ups to increase your firepower, right? Um, you usually have like a little satellite buddy that connects to your ship. I, I, I don't really know what it's called, but... I think they call it the Force. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. The Force would connect to either the front or back, and there's a way to disconnect it and have it fly around you or whatever like that. Um I think that's what kind of differentiates our type, right? I would have to add that it is um, a very slow-paced yes. shmup. Absolutely, yeah. And it is the very... thinking man's thinking man yeah, shmup. I would, I, would, I would really have to say that this, the first level, less so, but as it goes on, it really becomes a puzzler. Yeah, I, but I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, so we'll get we'll get into that. But this is definitely a, a more slow, methodical, puzzly shmup where you won't have to kind of learn the game and know where to be at the right time at the right place. Yep. Um, and we'll, we'll expound upon that. Whereas Gradius, how would you describe uh, Gradius and what makes Gradius what it is? Yeah. So the whole thing about gr- the, the kind of shtick to uh, Gradius is that stick to the shmup. Exactly. Is that there is an upgrade system where when you collect a power up, it moves this little icon on the bottom that is linked to a menu and the menu Every time you hit a power-up, it moves that menu item up one. So you can keep saving it. And maybe that's to your detriment because you're you're waiting too long and then you don't have a power-up and you die right. or whatever. But done that. You, you can move that icon. Every time you collect a power-up, it moves icon. Then when you click another button, it activates that weapon that is on the menu that is currently selected. And so you can... Like the very first one is speed up. So you can like hit speed up over and over so you can move faster and dodge things, bad things on the screen, which is good. But then there's a missile and there's like increasing firepower and stuff like that. So it is a really a game of choice. Like it's a game of trying to use your power ups to gain the right weapon for what you're doing. Yeah. And and I would say this is also not a terribly fast map. It's faster than our type. Yeah. Uh, but the Gradius series is known, I would say it's big thing, kind of like R-Type has the force, mm-hmm. that ball that you can you can shoot out in front of you and connect to the front or the back of your ship and 
if it's on the back, it shoots behind you. Yep. With Gradius, it's about the, with in America, in the Western uh, regions, they call it the option. Yeah. Uh, I forget they call it in, in Japan, but I think it was called something more, that made more sense than the option. It was like the extra or something. But basically, you have another little um, flying device that follows your every move. Yeah. But you can get up to like four of these things in a typical Gradius game that follow you as almost like a tail. Yeah. Uh, and they also, when you shoot, they shoot. So now you've got five points of fire uh, that trail you at all times. Yeah. That and it a makes a wider range. You can do a wider swath of destruction, like when you fire ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. So let's start with, uh, let's just start with our type. Yep. Since I have it up at the moment. And we should talk about just one more thing briefly okay. about both of them. There are 8-bit versions of these games, and the 8-bit versions are a blast. They're a lot of fun. Well, but, they're separate games. They're not uh, versions. Well, yeah, they're... That's what I mean. Like, they're, But there are 8-bit versions of each of these games, and they're fun. They're, they're typical 8-bit sh- you know, horizontal shoot-em-ups. These two games are graphically amazing. I mean, wouldn't you say that? Oh yeah. I, I was impressed by both of these, like, cause this is the PS2 era. Oh, three dimensional, like move movement around of the world. Like it, like the world is spinning in different directions, 3d models of like enemies. Um, this is not your eight bit shoot 'em ups. So, you know, if you're familiar with R type or Gradius from like the eight bit versions, these are not your your mama's versions of these games. These are <laughs> these are like very sophisticated. I was very impressed by the graphics on these and the sound for that matter. So but I would say at the same time, you're also not going to be lost. They are the same gameplay. Correct. So like you're, you're going to be comfortable right off the bat. It's the best of both worlds. They're they're both just amazing. I mean, I was I I hadn't really played either of these games on PS2 and the it really showcases the PS2 and what it, you know, when you, when you talk about PS2, you talk about like polygons and textures and stuff of 3d games of the time. This is different that these are, these are very sophisticated graphics, very, um, I don't even know what I'm looking for here. It's the graphics are really good. I mean, it, it's amazing. They're just, I mean, impre- they're in, they're engrossing. Yeah, Exactly. Um, so, and I, anyway, would say the I just want to throw that in there is both because both of them are yep. both very good in this and the sound design on both of them. I had them blasting oh. through some big speakers and just like mm-hmm. um, they had that one more time thing, you know, that what do you call it? The one more time effect yeah. where you yep. die and you're like, nope, one more time, one more time, one more time. Because I want to hear the explosions and the music and the call outs and everything with everything about it's exciting. Yeah. Um, I, uh, sorry to derail things really quick. Yeah. Originally, Tim was mm-hmm. going to join us on this battle. That's right. <laughs> and if you don't mind, Eric, because you, you know better than I do. Um, yeah. So I own both of these games on the PlayStation 2, and all I had to do was hook up my PlayStation 2 and play these games. And because pop the discs these, in. Yep. I will, I'll tell you up front, I'll let some of the cat out of the bag here, these are two games that I love on the PlayStation 2, and I've put a lot of time into in the past. Yeah. Um, I won't tell you which one more than the other, but... Um, so I, I know these games well. Now, you guys do yeah. not own the games, so you had to find other ways of playing. If you're able to uh, explain how you did it and how, how, why Tim was not able to make, make this happen, why he had to join us for the, uh, the, the battle next 
episode. Yeah. So if you don't have originals of these, um, if you don't have originals of these games, then you have to somehow play quote unquote backups or pirated versions of these games. Okay. So the methods of doing that are twofold. You need to get a, um, a what's called a free McBoot uh, memory card, which is a memory card that is created that allows you to run some utilities outside of the normal spectrum of, of things that you can run on the PS2. So when you boot up your PS2, it, it, it brings up a menu of options. Some of those things in the menu are you can boot off of a burned ISO disk, like onto an actual disk. Or you can boot off of a hard drive the, the, on the fat PS2s. Uh, you can insert a hard drive into those. And there's a thing called OPL, which is uh, open loader, open something, open PS2 loader. And you can boot up whatever's on these hard drives. And I've had that set up for a long time. So I didn't have any problems at all loading this. In fact, the hard drive that I have installed in my PS2 already had a copy of um, of R-Type Final in them, but I didn't have a copy of Gradius. So I had to figure out a way to get the Gradius working. And I'm going to talk about that in catching up because I had a lot of fun like tinkering with the PS2 and adding another hard drive and stuff like that. Tim had a real problem because his free McBoot card, for some reason, I don't remember if it didn't work or what happened, but he he would burn copies of these games and then it, they would not boot on his PS2. And I don't know why. So he was struggling with that for about a week, I think. And then he just said, well, I'm going to join you on six good games instead of the battle. So he couldn't get those working. Wah, wah. Yeah. But, um, I, I actually had a ton of fun getting my PS2. Like I built a whole new like hard drive and with a whole <laughs> new interface. And I'm going to talk about that. on catching up. Like, okay, um, okay. But, um, but I got, I was able to get them working. I already had our type final on the hard drive that I already had. So that's that. So that's why Tim's not joining us. Okay, great. I'll pull yep. some gameplay here. Eric, how would you describe uh, playing our type final? Okay. So our type final, the first thing and this is from my perspective. So jump in at any time, because I know you're much more familiar with these games. I never played these games before. So please jump in at any time to talk about your experience with this. But First thing I did with our type final is I'm like, I love shmups. I love them because they're mindless games. They, you jump in. It's usually a very easy, like I, you know, fire mega button for a bomb, maybe something else, but it's pretty easy. Okay. They, they, they are my, my uh, easy kind of relaxing game to play. So I start up our type final. I'm looking at it and guess what? There's a tutorial for our type final. And I'm like, that's the first thing in my notes is I have, uh oh, why does a shmup need a tutorial? <laughs> okay. So that that that's my first indication that I'm I'm uh, something's going on here. So I I actually played through the tutorial. I went through the tutorial, learned everything. Wasn't so bad after all. Um you really start to get to get the feel for the game after the tutorial. There's not much more you need to do. One other thing I really liked about it was that you could pick a difficulty. So you could pick easy or whatever. I didn't, I just did the normal thing. Like you say, Cody, like you, whatever the game says you should start out with in the beginning is what you start with. That's what I did. Um, so 
that was my first impression of the game was a tutorial. And then I jumped into the game and it, it it's not that dissimilar from old versions of our type, right? You have a ship, you're firing, you have a, the force, which Cody just said, that was the name of it. I couldn't remember what it was. It attaches to the front of your ship and you go into battle and you, you fire. Now there is an element in this game, unlike Gradius, where you, when you hold down a fire button, there's two fire buttons. One is a rapid fire. And then where, if you hold it down, it just fires your, your, your regular cannon over and over and over and over again. But then there's another one where when you hold it down, it does a charged beam. So it, it charges and what's cool about R-Type Final is it charges, and then if you keep holding it and keep dodging bullets and, like, surviving, it will do what's called an overcharge. And so it charges, then overcharges, and it causes mega damage to whatever you're firing. Okay? Um, but what another thing that sets this game off is the L1 and L2 buttons change your speed of your ship. Yeah. And I was hoping you could tell me a little more about that, Cody, because I'm a little confused about that. I would change it immediately when I was playing this game to be faster, but does it give you some kind of penalty? No, there's no penalty. It's So you have five speeds, and you yeah. have the top L button, and then the bottom L2, I guess. Yeah. And uh, four, uh, right off the bat, I, I just put it at three and kind of leave it there for general gameplay. Five, would be, five makes it a little too twitchy. Okay. Um, but two or th- one or two to me makes it there's certain enemies you just can't run away fast enough like when they like the first boss will or mini boss will fly by you and then mm-hmm. line up with you and then fly by back at you again and you can't get out of the way quick enough unless you're at three or higher yeah but then you know there's uh, you know every r-type game has the famous uh big ship battle on this one yeah. i think it's level three and when you're at three in my opinion when you're at speed three or higher you're just too twitchy or too fast to make the small minute maneuvers you have to do to get through things on that. Mm-hmm. So that's when I lower it back down to maybe two. I don't think I've ever used one. One's too too darn slow. Too slow. Yeah, you um, can't dodge the stuff in time with, with the regular speed. But I thought I thought it was actually really cool. It adds just another layer of. Um, I mean, it's very R typey. It's very kind of puzzly. Adds another layer of. All right, I'm coming up on this part. What speed do I need to be at? You yeah. know, you kind of got to learn an extra th- a thing, which can be, you know, too much, but it could also, it can also just make you feel that much smarter when you're able to put the right speed at the right time and achieve something. Not to mention, I mean, the, your, your force, the little buddy that, that attaches to you, the, the back or front of your ship, that's another puzzle a little bit because some yeah. bosses you get ahead of and you have to switch him to be able to put some fire on, you know, on the back end fire on the back exactly like yeah, like you had bean out, burrito you had to fire out of out of your back end now my exactly well, i think my favorite part of our type in general and this isn't specific to this game but yeah uh, this game definitely showcases it is that that orb that force when it's on the front of you or the back of you you can also just literally run it into things yeah you can't, you can't go too Enemy far bullets. where yeah yeah you, you can't go too far to where your ship would hit the thing but yeah um literally running up to a boss that's shooting crazy fire power at you and just putting the force right on top of its weak spots and having it like just you know disintegrate the the boss's um power and stuff yeah or or being able to shove the orb behind the boss and then drop down and bring the orb back to you where it's forced to be shoved in the boss's back while you're firing and stuff like that i just it it, it's very uh, satisfying you're basically shoving the force up his wazoo which I appreciate. Yeah, well, you know, 
<laughs> it gets the job done. That's all I'm it saying. It gets the job <laughs> done. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 what, the one thing that I found really handy was that that force, if you put it on the front of your ship, you could absorb bullets as long as they're exactly in the middle of your ship. Like if you float up or down and you hit fire on the sides, you're going to die. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're yeah. going to blow up, but it'll absorb that. And now maybe you can talk to me about the dose because that that was a puzzler to me. When you absorb enemy fire, I think it increases the dose, right? That little gauge that's on the left hand side. Did you ever use that? So that's your mega bomb. Okay. And but again, that increases when things hit your 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 force. You have right? to play almost like an entire level for that dose to get to a hundred percent. Okay. But again, it does become another puzzle element because there's certain parts, in my opinion, that you just can't really get through. And at that point, you use that that bomb. Yeah. And and you drop all your dose down to zero again. So yeah. I think ultimately the game becomes a huge puzzle. That's right. Which you and I are not huge fans of puzzles. No, but action puzzler I am, so I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I can enjoy the gameplay, but the fact that there's the force puzzle mixed with the dose puzzle mixed with the speed puzzle. Right. It so and at this point I'm kind of coming towards the end of my review, I guess, to a point. Yeah. Um I want to play this game over and over and over again, and I did play a lot of it, but there's so many things going on that I can't replicate what I'm trying to do enough for each of my playthroughs to even be close to each other. Yeah. To, so that the situations I put myself in are the same. I, I don't know how to explain that. It's the same level, but every time I play through it, it turns out differently. That's right. Does that make sense? Depending on the little strategies that you use, depending on what you, which puzzle element you decide to kind of emphasize on because you can't emphasize all of them. You can't work on all of them or else your spread, your, your, your cerebral mechanisms are spread too thin on the game. Right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, So it is a thinkers shoot 'em up for sure. Another great thing I wanted to mention about this game though, is that you do unlock collectibles. So that's a whole nother element of the game. That's a whole nother thing. And another reason I wanted to, yeah. um, Back then and now, just delve into this game and mm-hmm. play so much of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go into that. Yeah. During Christmas break. I mean, I played this for hours cause I never played this before. And I was delighted that as I'm playing through it, when you, when you finally die and you will, this game's not easy. Um, when you die, when you get to the end, it'll be like, Hey, you unlocked, you know, fighter MF dash VA or whatever the, the acronym is. I don't remember what they are. But what that means is that as long as you have a, a memory card in there and you save your saves, which you should be doing, it you will always have access to that new fighter when you when you go back into the game. And from what I read, I didn't write this down, but there are a lot of different fighters you can unlock. I mean, there's there a lot a, of different ones. There's a hundred. Okay, hundred. I mean, that's a that's a lot of unlockables, and that yeah, I'm a sucker for that. I mean, I love yeah. that thing about games. Yeah, I love that. Um, they have different looks to them. They're yep. all quote unquote. They're all quote unquote R types. Yes, that's the type of fighter you're you're unlocking. There are R types. Yeah, I guess there must in this world there must be other types, but this is R type. And uh, the orb might be be doing different things. Um, the weapons could be different. The missiles could be different. They change a lot of different aspects. Uh, and ultimately, 
to to get your playthroughs to be more and more efficient, you actually would, in theory, play through a level, and then mm-hmm. at the end of every level, it says, do you want to switch R-types? And you could switch up to up to 100 different ones yeah, and, and pick which one you want to use for each level and what way you want to... I mean, there's so many different strategies and and ways to beat levels and ways to choose to do things. Um, all of them are extremely difficult, <laughs> but yeah. they're there. Yep. So, and then the other thing I would say, so first of all, I'm watching the game here. This is my favorite boss. It's this like hang sack. cocoon sack thing yeah. is the yeah. coolest boss. I don't know what it is about this boss, but I, I just feel it's fun to beat. Um, you, blow, you blow off the little nodules on his little arms that come out. And then like that, when, once you do that, they go back in and these little orbs come out on little arms it is very creative. I mean, this the, the bosses yep. are extremely creative. The the 3D element of the game, I mean, it is a 2D shooter. Let's not get that. Let's not go crazy. You know, the gameplay is 2D. Two, it's 2D, but the backgrounds are swirling around in three dimensions. So it gives you a very um, uh, just... It, it it if if you don't even like shmups, you should play this just to look at the graphics. I mean, they're amazing. Some of the very best on PS2 I've ever seen. Yeah, it's cool. Now, the other thing we did not mention is uh, all kinds of things. You'll notice mm-hmm. right now this the gate playthrough we're watching says stage two two. There yep. are I think three different versions of each stage. Yep. And depending how you do on each stage, takes you to a different portion of the next stage. So even as you're playing through. Depending on what you do, you're not entirely positive, at least when you're not, not as skilled as we are. <laughs> right. Um, you don't know necessarily which version of the next stage you're going to be playing. And yep. some are harder, some are easier, some are just different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the one thing it's, that, it to me, I would say is the negative about this game is that there's so much variation and so mm-hmm. many puzzle elements that it made it really hard for me to get after I got to a certain point, it made it extremely hard for me to get further in the game Yeah, because I couldn't focus on doing one thing better. It was always changing. Yeah. And I never like, I never got past a certain point. Yeah. Um, It's hard to find a groove in this game. I can get, if you use the same groove, you don't get any further. So yeah. Yeah. Um, if, so you have to change how you play the game. And that's one thing I would say about this game is that, I think a positive in this game is that I don't, you know, we often talk about how like, and and maybe this is unfair. I downgrade games when they're too hard, when they're, when the difficulty curve is too high. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes that's not fair because maybe I'm just not a great gamer in that kind of genre of game. This game though, I will say every time I revisited, I got a little bit further. Really? I got okay. a little bit further and I got a little bit further. Now, sometimes it was a little bit like very tiny bit further, which gets frustrating yeah. because you're not making huge strides, but I got further. And that to me, cause this game does get difficult um, and it gets very difficult, but I did get better and better. It's, it is a kind of a thing of memorization and puzzles like you were talking about. Um, so it, it, for people who like pure shmups, which is the mindless turn off the the cerebral part of your brain and just play shmups for relaxation, which is what I really like with like a dodon pachi or something. Um, 
this isn't for you. This is a thinkers. This is like where you have to figure out where you should be, what puzzle you need to solve to get past past the past the yeah. level. Which is yeah. true to our type. Yes, honestly. exactly. So, and yep. I did I did play through. I had R types on PlayStation, which is R type one and R type two for the yeah. PlayStation. Yeah, and I I think it was R type one that I beat all the way through. It might have been two. At yeah. this point, it was in college. I can't remember, but I beat one of them all the way through, and I remember a very similar feel, but I finally fought my way through it and beat the game, and it, it was very uh, satisfying to finally get there because it was, it was a lot of effort. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we've said most about it. There's, now, there's one aspect to this game that you may or may not have even looked into and doesn't honestly matter if you did or didn't, and it's this weird like um, programming versus mode. Do you look into that at all? I saw it in the menu, but I never, I never even tried it. And basically, you get to set all these rules, almost like programming an RC car, saying how how um, aggressive you wanted your fighter to be, uh, which attributes you wanted to assign to it, and then after it got to what portion of health did you want to turn from aggressive to passive or defensive or whatever, and you can set all these kind of programs into it and then you press go and you watch it on one side of the screen while there's a enemy r-type on the other side of the screen shooting back at you and you just watch it do it's like play out its fight yeah and it seemed to make no difference it was all completely random it's very boring to watch i appreciate that they tried to do something really cool and tactical but ultimately just came down to like this is really boring i feel like nothing i do makes any difference on what happens i didn't try so. that so but um but yeah, I. This is a game. I mean, spoiler alert: both the games, both of these games, are like really great games on PS2. So you're not going to go wrong trying to play this game. So you should give it a shot for sure. A shot. Give it a shot. All right. So are we ready to rate this bad boy? Yeah. How are we going to rate our horizontal shmups, Eric? How many forces? Okay, okay. Yeah, how many forces? Um, let's do 750 forces. Okay, sure. How about that? So for me, R-Type, there's so much I love about it, but the fact that I just kept hitting that same wall, mm-hmm. I loved every time when I turned it off and I came back the next day to play it, I got all excited again. And then every time I hit the wall, I got frustrated again. Yep. And ultimately, I, I, I think the game should be rated so much more high, higher than I want. It. I want to give it a high rating, but I can't just because I never find myself like falling in love with it. I, I get excited about it. I'm having a lot of fun. And then I get like crushed. So Same I'm going to give it six... 10 out of 750. 6, 10 out of 7, that's still pretty good. Still pretty, oh, it's good. pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it probably just tiny bit lower, like 590 out of 750. Okay. And the reason is, is again, maybe this isn't fair, but the difficulty curve, I'd, I'd hit the same wall and I get a little bit further and a little bit further, but I couldn't get much further and I love the game. The visuals are amazing. Um, but, but just, I just, if a game hits, hits a block like that and I can't get further, then 
what good is it? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I guess yeah. I could lower the difficulty and maybe get a little further, but you know, I don't Out of know. curiosity, where do you get? Do you get to stage four? Did you beat the about this battleship? No, I did not. Okay. I did not beat this battleship. This is where I got, and that's it. Couldn't get further. So yeah, I could. I could. It took a while to get past the point where I beat this battleship. Yeah. Yep. And I got to stage four, and then, but then at that point, I had like so few lives. I died almost instantly at stage four. So yeah. We were pretty close, and I think we had the same exact uh, reasoning mm-hmm. behind our scores. So, yep, can't be coincidence, is what I say. I agree. Cool. All right, so let's talk about Gradius Five. Gradius Five. Gradius Five. Now that's a Konami game, right, Eric? That is a Konami game, like Frogger. Uh, well, but Sega, yeah. but Sega was- wasn't involved in this one. <laughs> And neither was Konami, except for publishing it. That's true. Who made this one? I don't have that in my notes. What do you have? Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I I thought you knew this one. This is this is a treasure game. Oh, I did know this. I'm sorry. I'm a yes. dumb, a dumb butt. <laughs> I almost you said the a, wrong thing. You are dumb as a butt. <laughs> um. <laughs> I did have that in my notes. That is, that treasure. Konami went to Treasure to actually make this game, right? And, and if you guys don't know who Treasure is, yeah, they are a, a developer that um, of, of basically programmers who are extreme gamers and love gameplay and yes. cared nothing about anything else. They didn't care about making money. They didn't care. They cared about making really good games. Yeah, and they did. I shouldn't say they didn't care about making money because they made a whole bunch of really, actually, really good games for. Um, like McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we covered McDonald's uh, treasure or whatever it's called on the Genesis yeah. once on the show. And um, we didn't do our dry statistics on a, on a art type, but I, and I, and won't go into oh, it, you, but it's uh, by Irem, which always makes art type games, right? Oh yeah. Yep. It's Irem and uh, publishers were Eidos, which is still around, I think, right? I, Eidos interactive. I believe so. Um, and the producer was Kazuma Fujo. And it was released on uh, February second, two thousand four, here in North America. That's all now I'll say Ma- about that. Now, now for Mache, wh- who was the composer? <laughs> yeah, the composer was Yuki I I I Y I Y I Y I W A I. Well, whoever that is, he did an excellent job. But the music, bravo, a bravo, really is. No, it's fantastic. The sound is amazing in these games. So Gradius is a very blue game. That's right. <laughs> um, so Lots I will blues. talk really quickly. Like a typical Gradius game, uh, like Eric mentioned, you can you can change different things. You can change the, the first um, block is your speed. You can speed up. Yep. Uh, for the cost of two orbs, you get your missile. For the cost of three orbs, you get either a double gun or a tail gun. For four orbs, you get your laser, just like in typical um, no ripple in this game. A lot of the original Gradius games had a ripple or a laser. Uh, this is a laser. Uh, the what is that? Fifth option is your option, and that's the big the big one in this game is what option you want. So we'll talk about yeah. that shortly. And then sixth is your force field. Now, when you start the game, you, you, there's four different types of these Gradius planes you get to pick. Not a hundred. There's four, and they all look the same. They're all the Vic Viper. Um, and when you play two player, uh, 
I believe you also get the uh, Lord British. I, I didn't play two players time, but most Gradius games have Lord British as the second player. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep, yep. Um, so, type one, uh, you got your speed up, your missile goes to the ground and crawls along the ground, which is typical for a Gradius game. Yeah. Uh, but you can also have the option in one of the in that other types of a two-way that goes up and down and then doesn't crawl on the ground. Uh, and then you have a two-way behind you, so it does the same thing but behind you. Uh, the tail gun obviously shoots behind you as well while you're shooting in front, where a double will shoot in front of you, but also up like 30 degrees up. It's interesting. I uh, never found a lot of use for that. No. Um, of course, you got the laser, which is more powerful than the normal shot. The options. There's four different options, and I'm going to start from the bottom to the top because the top is the one I think makes this game so good. The bottom one, you can have up to, to literally four individual options in the game that you... Um, Again, the options are the orbs that move around you. They follow you. So in typical games, they literally just follow you in a tail. Um, in Gradius 5, you've got your options that follow you in a tail, but if you press down the R button, I believe it's R, they will do a special maneuver. So in your Type 4 ship, they will rot- rotate around you in a circle, of course, while shooting, while you're shooting. In type three, they will create, I think, even spacing between you and each option. So they just kind of hang out and hold that spacing. Uh, in type two, they will shoot the opposite direction that you're moving. So you can use it um, that way, like when you're running away from enemies and it's shooting upwards towards what you're running away from. But type one, to me, is the coolest. And it literally just freezes the options in place. So if you decide to hold up, the options will trail you. They'll be below you. Then you hold that button down. Now you can go up, down, left, right, and those options will stick in a perfect pattern below you, right? Or you can do a little circle. So the options follow you in a circle, go all the way around you. You hold that button, and now they're locked around you in a circle. Or, which I like to do later on in the game, you'll be going down a tunnel or something, and there'll be stuff that you know the tunnel's going to go up, and there's enemies coming down the tunnel. Tunnel, You kind of work your way backwards, so the options come end up going behind you, but you're going backwards, so they're in front of you. Kind of yeah. up and uh, like an upward angle. And then you lock them that way, so you can actually be shooting things up in the tunnel with your option, and you're not even up there yet. Yeah. This is what made makes this game so cool to me, is playing with the options. And I, and I have to admit, I, I, I spend a lot of time playing this game over the Christmas break, but I didn't mess around with the options as much as I wanted to. Cause I, I mean, I would have loved to like tinker with them. And that's one of the fun things about this game is the options for sure. Yeah. So I'll shut up about the options. That's the main game feature. So what do you think about the actual game? Yeah. So, so let me first talk about a little bit on the dry statistics here for PlayStation 2. This came out almost the same time. It was uh, September 14th, 2004 in North America. So, I mean... Yeah, they're very, they were competitors. These games both came out almost very close to the same time. You kind of have to wonder if they did that on purpose. Um, the publisher was Konami, of course. The developer was Treasure and G-Rev. Haven't heard of them. Um, the, the designer was Hiroshi Ayuchi. Um, composer was Hitoshi Sakamoto. Um, and it's part of the continuing series of of um, Gradius. I mean, Gradius goes back a long way. One thing I found kind of interesting was that R-Type Final is a single-player game. 
But mm-hmm. Gradius is single player and cooperative and multiplayer. Did you know that? Did... Um, I mean, I, I know there was cooperative multiplayer. I didn't yeah. know about a, a third type of multiplayer or yeah. a second type of multiplayer, I should say. And I have to admit, I didn't get into that, but this is, um, I guess, a pretty big feature of it was that there was cooperative play on this, which I think that's so, pretty cool. Yeah, I absolutely knew that because when I really fell in love with this game, my roommate and I were playing it on, uh, I got him into it. Oh, really? We were, oh, yeah. We were playing this cooperative multiplayer every day for a month, probably a month. And he had just bought at the time, which was really novel, a projector. Yeah. So we actually had the entire wall of our dorm room just lit up with Gradius every night. And we'd be just, you know, drinking beers and playing Gradius. And each, you know, the, the, once you start getting further in the game, a playthrough yeah. can be 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And we'd do it three times every night. We'd play probably three hours <laughs> every night, get further and further and further. And we're doing yeah. it together. So it was that fun thing where, like, there's things you can do together that you can't do by yourself. And then there's also that that moment where you screw up and you just wasted a life because you share lives. And yeah. then you get mad at your, your buddy. And, you know, it was great. Yeah, one thing I noticed right away on this game was, I mean, obviously you, you you're picking your weapons by when you, whenever you grab power ups. The power ups are plentiful in this game, unlike in oh, our yeah. type. I mean, they, you know, you blowing up enemies left and right, and they're just dropping these these upgrades, which is is great because you pick them. You can watch your menu move at the bottom. You select what you want. the The bosses are these giant puzzle games, like the one we're watching here on the screen it is a rotating kind of uh, space station looking thing. I love the bosses on the, on our type or on, I'm sorry, yeah. on gra- any Gradius game. And, and the Gradius, I mean, they're very innovative bosses. Like this space station will rotate and on every node on the circle is like a little firing gun that is shooting in on you. You can hit those, but as it rotates, the there's like this core on one of the sides of the circle. Shoot the core. And it will shoot this be- these big beams. And you have to stay within the beams as it rotates. So there's a lot of like weird mental geometry you have to play with a lot of these bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, the bosses are very well designed. Very cool stuff. Like on this picture, you can see there's three, four, five, six power-ups that were on, that were yep. all dropped in this one screen. So you're just cycling through these 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 power-ups and you can select whatever you want. So um, and. And just like a traditional, any other Gradius game, yeah, you've got a couple things that happen: the, the mini bosses and make and main bosses, where you have to shoot yep. the core, which is a, a round blue glowing orb. And mm-hmm. after you shoot it enough, when it's almost dead, it'll turn orange or red. Yeah, um, as it gets closer and closer to dying, and a lot of the bosses have these little, uh, four, you know, three, four, five different little gates in front of the core that you have to shoot through the little gates to expose the core to shoot the core. And sometimes there'll be in this game, there'll be three different cores with multiple uh, gate sections. Yeah. And I don't know how to explain it, except that it's just terribly fun. Yeah. Trying to figure that out. Uh, How you're going to, if you're going to go for the gates, if you're going to try to blow up the guns firing at you first, if you're going to go straight for the core, if you're going to put the options in front of you so that while you're doing other stuff, they're constantly shooting or hitting the core. Um, if you want to put them above you and take out guns while you're shooting the core, I mean, it's, it's creative. It's fun. It, you feel powerful, but vulnerable at the same time, which I think is the, from the get go, you feel powerful in this game. 
yeah. uh, knowing that one tiny little f- slow moving bullet can take you out at any second at the same time. Yeah. Um, now, I would say one thing that is different from previous Gradiuses that they improved. Our type and the Gradius originally were both games that were one hit kills, and then it shut down the game. You went back to either the beginning of the level or like halfway through the level, like a checkpoint. Right. And you lost all your power ups. Our type final is still that way. This game, Gradius 5, they got rid of that, and when you die, you continue, the screen continues moving, and a new fighter flows in, and you continue on where you died without right. stopping the game at all. Your options float kind of in space, and you can go grab them and bring them back aboard. Yeah. Um, and I have actually- that in my notes. When you die, you start right where you left off. Even when it's game over and when you see another cre- and you use another credit, you at least start off right where you left off. Yep. Yeah. And then the more you play, the way this game is set up, and they did a lot of this, I think, in, in this era, but it works well for me. As you play, I think you start with two continues. Yeah. And as you play, you get your first hour of gameplay in. They give you another continue. And then once you hit three more hours of gameplay, you get another continue. So not only are you getting better, but just by putting in the time and effort, kind of like an RPG, yeah. you get more continues. So if your goal is just to play the game through, you'll eventually get there. Um, but I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's really creative. Uh, just like the original games, you're fighting the Bido empire. So a lot of the levels move from spaceships to like a- inside aliens or spaceships that have like aliens and like flesh and stuff attached to walls. Like we're looking at right now. Um, yeah, the gameplay itself stays the same, but the situations they put you in change how you have to think about the game constantly. Um, it's slow maneuvering, just like our type, but and it's puzzle elementy, but it is not you don't live and die by one solution. If that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense or not. Did I lose you, Eric? You lost me for a minute. You're back now, but you did lose me for a minute, so oh. I think we're okay now. Okay, we'll continue on as if nothing happened. That's cool. Exactly. We'll just let's just ignore what happened. But yeah, I lost you for a minute. I was trying to read your lips, but I couldn't quite do it. This is a really po- cool part of the game. I'll uh, spoiler alert a little bit here. Skip forward thirty seconds if you don't want to hear the spoiler. But this part of the game, you see another ship above you. Uh, yeah. Later, later on the game, you do some time travel and you find out that ship above you is you as well. Yeah. Because you come down on this and you see your previous ship below you. <laughs> yeah. One thing I should th- say about this game is that it does have cutscenes. I mean, they talk about they they try to make it a story, like a rich story. So they do go yeah. through a bunch of cutscenes and stuff. It's not intrusive. I wouldn't so say that they would. They don't really cut from the action. They just kind of happen while your ship yeah. slowly moves forward. No, I I thought it was really neat because they created a narrative that was more interesting for the game. So. And this game is a lot like our type where the gra- the graphics are amazing. Like they're three dimensional like in the background and you're moving around different uh, environments. And this it, is another it, part of, of Gradius uh, that look they at always those power do. ups. Yes. Yeah. So this, they, they always do this in Gradius where when you get right before a boss, yeah. ha- all these little kind of enemies just come right at you that are really easy to kill and they all turn into power ups and you have to sit there and try to collect stuff you don't have yet real quick. Yeah. Um, but they actually can be quite deadly in some games. If you have no options, that's like impossible to get through. Yeah. 
And then here's a mini boss. Uh, I love this game so much. I can hear, even though our sound's off, I can hear everything that's going on in my head. Right. I think it's already yeah. obvious which game uh, hit me the right way and which one wasn't quite there. <laughs> yeah, but let's rate them. So out of 750, uh, we'll, we'll call them options for this one. Yeah, I like that. I like that. 750 options. So what what do you get? What do you give it, Cody? Uh, this might be the highest game I've rated on. The, I'm going to go 740. 740. My goodness. Good God, man. So I mean, I rated the other one 590, which is pretty low. So I'm I, I'm I did like this one a lot. I'm going to give it a 690. So 100 okay. points more than the other one. Again, again, and it's not fair, but I'm going to say it. This game is still not easy when you play it by yourself. I mean, it is not easy. So it doesn't get any easier with another player. It just gets different. Right. So it's still a little difficult. So it can get frustrating at certain points in the game when you're trying to play it. I'm not, I'm trying, I'm trying to be better about not downgrading games because of difficulty. (laughs) Um, But, but I did have an easier time with this one than our type. So that's why I'm giving a hundred points more. So 690. So I still choose this. Okay. The, the winner, ding, 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 by knockout. The winner, Gradius <laughs> 5 over our type final. It was not a knockout. It, they, went, they went all 10 they rounds. They went toe-to-toe. They went toe-to-toe. But um, this is, this. I would have to say, this is probably my top, probably my top five favorite games of all time, period. Yeah. And it's definitely my favorite PS2 game. I love this game. Yeah. Uh, I and I wouldn't. I, it's not a universal thing. It's definitely a hardcore shmup to a point. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I say hardcore, but it's also. I would say, it, if this makes sense, it's an accessible hardcore shmup. Yeah. Um, I'd say that. Now, which game would you give oh, the so graphical fidelity to? Like, which one graphically is better? Would you say? I think I would give that to our type. There's slowdown. Me too. And stuff too. and Gradius. Yep. But they're very close. They're very um, close. They're both beautiful games. So if you haven't played these audience listeners, you should try these. These are amazing. Even look at videos. They're they're stunning. They're both stunning. But I would give the nod to R-Type. Um, uh, but for gameplay, I'd give it to Gradius for sure. Sweet. Yep. And, right? that and another is thing is that yeah, the mechanism, the game playing mechanism in Gradius, I felt more... Um, it came more natural to me than than our type as well. I don't know if it did with you, but yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Go ahead, Cody. Take us out. Take us out. Um, cool. That's um, episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid to say it now because I screwed up last time. No, you're gonna get it. All right. Well, that is an episode of Pixel Guide, and we will see you guys on January 30th yep. for our next with t- episode. With Tim. With, with Tim. Tim, with Game Show, with Catching Up, with uh, Six Good Games, Three Color Edition, um, and all kinds of fun and hijinks will ensue, and uh, we won't have to beep out anything, nope. and we'll be I'm more gonna be professional. I'm going to be on my best behavior. <laughs> on my best behavior, I promise. All right, Eric. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up. We just want to yep. make sure everyone remembers... It's It's dangerous dangerous to to go go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. 
please follow us on Twitter at Pixel underscore Gaiden. And you can also follow Eric at The Project. That's D-U-H Project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at Oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.